So, how's it going? Um, it's good. I just got a new bed. It's not at my house. I'm sending it to my dad's house because I'm moving there. Oh, yeah. For, um, like, a month or something in July? Uh, I might stay there longer. Yeah. Just because, like, I'm starting classes, and then if I want to, I could load up classes in the fall, and I don't have to worry about rent. Yeah. So, and, like, my dad and I are pretty close. He just got me a new clown. His name is Hermie. Yeah, it's like a clown statue. Oh. I I already have one. His name is Hank. But now I have another one. Um, It was funny because when he sent me a picture of it, he used to tell me this story all the time about a lady that hit an old man, Mm -hmm. well, a homeless person. And she just kept driving, but she kept hearing, like, knocking underneath the car. And, like, when she stopped, he crawled out from under the car, and he was like, thanks for the ride, lady. (laughs) And so he sent me a picture of the clown, and I was like, that clown just looks like it crawled out from underneath my car and thanked me for a ride. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Uh, clowns is a good segue, I guess, for uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, some of our favorite horror movies. So how do you want to do it? Do you want to uh, like <coughs> list it out, or do you want to just kind of talk about them? I think maybe we can talk about them, because um, I don't think I like have a top five list. Oh, I'm thinking like ten of our favorite. So you don't even have that? No, I meant, like, I don't have them you just can't put it in a list? Like, I haven't really thought about ranking them. Yeah, I I don't... Because it's, like, uh, as far as ranking, like, all that stuff changes, so... Yeah. Just kind of stay away from it. But one of my favorite scary movies is uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah. Uh, I just remember watching that a lot as a kid, and it's so campy. Yeah, I uh, I haven't uh, seen that in a long time, but I, I do remember the theme song from it uh, because there was this local, like, I want to say they were like a punk band or something that uh-huh. did a cover of that song. And, like, I heard that song live from whatever, you know, local punk band it was at the time. And uh, then I watched it after that, but it's been so long. So It's been a long time for me, too, but I remember the scene where he goes, I'm going to knock your block off, and then he just punches his head off like one clown <laughs> to another. That shit's silly. Yeah, I. Uh, as far as clown movie goes, uh, the only one, like, oh, no, I guess I've seen Clown and uh, It, obviously. Um I think that's pretty... Oh, and Stitches, too. Stitches is like a uh, dark comedy, kind of. But I would say out of all of those, I think uh, it... Like, especially the new ones. But I kind of count all of them as the same. Because it is all the same. Yeah. It's all based off of the same source material. It's just, are you in a more current mood or... Are you feeling nostalgic, you know? I've only seen the old one. Really? And I just recently watched the old one for the first time. Uh, when I was younger, 
I guess my life was full of like horror movies when I was younger. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't really watch them. They were just like kind of introduced to me, and I was very scared of everything. Yeah. And just my stepsister telling me about the scene where Beverly's in the bathroom and like his nose explodes and there's blood everywhere, it made me very scared of drains for a very long time. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> that's the fun irrationality of being a child, for sure. And it took me until 22, no, yeah, 22 to watch it. Maybe I was <laughs> 21. That's funny. Yeah, um, you know, like I said, the, the original, uh, like the primetime TV aired version of it, um, obviously it didn't age well and, uh, you know the ending was trash uh but yeah they only had so much to work with because the source material's ending i guess isn't quite the same um as far as like not being good all the way throughout so um but yeah even still i would say that like it as like between i guess all four of them since there's a part one and two of the old one and a part one and two of the new one uh because it was broken up i think over two days originally i think like part one released on like nbc or something like that first and then part two was like the next day and it followed a similar format but um but yeah just like the the idea that there's a thing an entity living underneath this city and the reason why everybody in the city sucks or has like bad uh motives throughout their life as far as like racism or fucking uh child abuse all the horrible things that happen in it and like how that's a direct correlation to its existence the deadlights like the 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 bigger picture of it is what's truly scary to me uh because it's just like this unseen evil force that eats children and they can see it but the adults are just affected by it because um he just like generally sucks the energy out of the city and that's why people can't you know see them and then like that's why in the one film you got the red balloon coming up from behind in the back seat or whatever when they're driving past and the kids see it but the adults in the car can't see it yeah you know so like just the fact that it's such a manipulative evil force is just so fucked to me like <laughs> and, and i and i kind of wonder like if stephen king when he originally wrote it had like a deeper subset uh subtext to it you know like maybe this unseen evil force is um his poetic way of calling out i don't know like the government or something like that but then again he was all coked out when he wrote it so it could have just been his fucking imagination um but it's just so crazy to me like how different those both like both movies are too as far as the new one versus the old one because like the new ones are super violent and, like, the violence is kind of there in the originals, but, like, you know, it's nighttime TV. There's only so much they could do. Yeah. So, but uh, from there, what else you got? My other favorite scary movies? Yeah. Um, I like uh, the Evil Dead movies. I think 
the hilarious part to me is that he keeps going back to the same fucking cabin. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, y- you think he would learn, you know. Yeah, it's like the curse, it's not going away. No. Your girlfriends are going to keep fucking dying. Yeah. And then uh did did you like the Army of Darkness movies? Um, where he goes back in time and I never I don't think I remember them. Oh, no. Those are uh because you got one and two, obviously, and then after that was Army of Darkness, and I think there was an Army of Darkness too. I don't if think I'm not mistaken. I've seen them in like six years because I remember this was after my dad's divorce. The first time I watched it, yeah, and I was like a junior in high school, and we would watch them a lot. Uh, but we would only watch the like, Evil Dead movies a lot. I only watched Army of Darkness movies like once. Yeah, so there is just the one army of, army of darkness. I thought so. I was, I was thinking of that new uh, Zack Snyder film, uh, Army of the Dead, which I haven't seen yet. But for some reason, uh, I keep thinking about it. Probably because I've been fucking uh, blasted with ads by it at this point. But yeah, you should definitely sit down and watch Army of Darkness again, uh, or even just do all three, and then the new one. You know, just to kind of see the progression, the budget, because uh, Sam Raimi, with his original, with the original Evil Dead, his, uh, his, his, his spirit can kind of be felt all throughout it. And and the way that like, it's super campy, you know, it, it borders on comedy just because of how gratuitous it is. Like just Mm -hmm. the fucking, just gallons of black blood and just all the nastiness of I like it. when the blood turns white and it looks like milk. Yeah, like just everything about how and like all the practical effects too like when something explodes on screen it's actually exploding on screen. Like as far as like when you know limbs getting blown off whatever fucking damage is being dealt to the bodies like you can see it and it's visceral. And, like, there's something about, like, the late 70s, early 80s, too, to where it just seemed like everybody in film was super wet. And that was another one uh, where just the characters, like, if there wasn't anything happening, they just looked like they're covered in water. Do you ever notice that? Like, it, no. I, I see it a lot, too. Like, especially Hellraiser, which is, you know, another one that I would say is, like, uh, up there for me. Uh, personally, probably the first one over everything else. Two and three are pretty good, too. Um, I really like the direction that two takes as far as, like, actually bringing everybody to hell. Uh, like, that whole idea is pretty cool. And, like, the depiction of hell in two is, like, it's very cavernous. It's very expansive never ending is kind of what the feeling is and like you see a bunch of just dark halls and it kind of looks like uh one of those paintings i don't remember what the artist's name is um but he uh puts a lot of like just never ending passages and shit in his paintings is it like mc escher yeah yeah so it's very escher-esque it's like if clive barker like 
made his own MC Escher painting is what Hellworld uh, or Hellraiser Hellworld um, is or not Hellworld Jesus Christ Hell on Earth my bad <laughs> um, is like or no Hellbound fuck they're just so confusing because Hellraiser 1 is Hellraiser uh, Hellraiser 2 is Hellbound Hellraiser Hellraiser 3 is Hellraiser 3 Hell on Earth and then four is like Inferno, I think. I don't know. After that, they really just get lost on me. But anyways, like, yeah, the whole uh, never-ending passages, it is just like Clive Barker um, was like, all right, well, I'm going to make my own MC Escher. And then, like I was saying earlier, uh, everyone's so wet. Like, even when there's no gore on screen, which isn't for very long, um everyone is just visibly damp and like for some for some reason like that part of the movie also kind of freaks me out because it's just like why the fuck is everybody so wet <laughs> like and then you get the weird animatronic or not it's not animatronics it was stop motion that they did um you've seen the first hellraiser right i've never seen hellraiser oh my god there's a lot of movies i've never seen oh my god but there's there's like this stop motion thing that they do to reanimate the guy who originally opens the box and then he gets fucked like pinhead comes and they take him and all that um but it's like this dude gets a drop of blood because he's like living underneath the floorboards kind of like his heart is and like a drop of blood like feeds it and like you see like a reverse de-skinning happened, but also like the muscles and stuff and the the uh, veins and just the bones, like the entire structure of Frank, who is the bad guy in that one, uh, come come back, and it's really gross. Like it's it it it's so gross that it's like at a level where you just feel a little violated. Just because of, like, holy shit, <laughs> I just watched all of that. And, like, you know, first time I saw it, I was probably, I want to say, like, 10. So, like, definitely too young, you know. But, <laughs> like, now I can just, like, put it on. But it's just, like, the biggest thing that bothers me is uh, how wet everyone is. Like, I just don't, I don't understand. Like, why is I mean, and I heard a thing that um, back in the day, people used to put petroleum jelly on actors' faces and stuff because it helps them get light better. Yeah, and that made sense that to with, me then. Uh, Marilyn Monroe. Really? Mm-hmm. So, like, and that made sense to me uh, because, like, it seems like it was all over uh, in the late seventies, early eighties, even up until some of the horror movies that came out in the nineties, like early nineties, at least. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad that that's a trend that we got away from. I'm glad that technology is at a point <laughs> where, you know, we can go in after the fact and, you know, fix some stuff if, if the light didn't take super well or, you know, the cameras just have a better sensitivity overall or whatever the fuck it is because, yeah, just having everybody be glistening is <laughs> strange. <laughs> But yeah, um, <clears throat> from Hellraiser, what else you got? Um, 
my favorite movies are the Scream movies. All four of them, or I do like all four of them. Yeah, four definitely my least favorite. Oh no, I think two is my favorite. Really, two is my least favorite. Really? Yeah. Well, no, wait. Three is the one that takes place in Hollywood, right? Yeah. All right, so three is my least favorite. Four is my favorite. Really? Yeah. I like four and one just about the same. I like two and one just about the same. Really? But I guess maybe three might be my least favorite. Four, it gets shit on a lot, but it's really not that bad. I, I really think that four... Like, they could have ended it right there. I mean, they should have ended it probably after one. Like, because at this point, how many people really want to fucking kill Sidney Prescott, you know? Yeah. Like, at this point, we're just dragging it to its grave. And, you know, and the Scream TV franchise and stuff came out. Like, that was okay, but it was made for TV. So, like, it had a thousand shortcomings, you know? Um but yeah, I would definitely say four and one are tied for me, even though I'm aware that four and three are among the two that are like the least uh, liked, um, because Randy's not in them. Well, not only that, but it's just like the the way they forced three and four. Yeah. You know, like two was a little forced, you know, but three and four are like. All right, let's find two to three bad guys, and let's connect them to Sydney Prescott. Yeah, for some reason, it was just like very formulaic. Yeah. like Scream developed its own formula, like that it followed. But that's yeah. also what I appreciate about the franchise is that it does have its own little formula. I mean, it's different because. The first one was so amazing because they killed off, like, Drew Barrymore in the first ten minutes. And she was a very big actress at the time. She was supposed to be Sydney originally. Um, Probably didn't want to pay her as much as she wanted or something. No. She decided that it would be better because nobody would be expecting her to, to, like, die. Oh. Because she was, like, such a big star. And they used her for, like... The original promotion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember heavily. <laughs> That's and what so, they leaned on. So, it was like when it came out and she died in the first 10 minutes, like, you weren't expecting that. Yeah. And you were not expecting the two killers at the end. And they used so many red herrings that, like, you were like. They made a really immersive advertising campaign because they're like, they told you there was going to be red herrings and bullshit. Without you even seeing the movie, mm-hmm. which is like brilliant on whoever uh, advertised and marketed the the first one, because it's like now, like when they start advertising Scream Five, it's going to be kind of obvious because I'm sure it's going to be the same formula, you know. It like, kind of has to be. Scream Four mixed it up a little bit, but it was still like two killers, and they want to kill Sydney because they're connected to Sydney, but like. Adding in the new characters really was, like, refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, and, and it kind of gives it uh, some some room to grow, because now we have a new generation of Prescotts, I'm sure. 
and I'm sure with Scream 5, there's going to be a lot more closing of a chapter or passing of a torch. Like, Because yeah. I'm sure they're going to do the same shit with Halloween, with Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. Um, where, like, I'm pretty sure Halloween Ends is going to end with Jamie Lee Curtis being killed. Because you can't kill Michael Myers, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like... They're going to just kind of keep kicking the can down the road with the Scream franchise, too, because it's, you know, and I and I hate to say this and sound completely jaded, but I really do feel like they're going to cash, cash in on Wes Craven's death, especially when it's attached to, you know, Scream. Yeah. And when it's attached to Nightmare, like we're going to see another Nightmare movie because, you know, his, his death anniversary or whatever is going to come around and all the fanboys and all this and that are going to, you know want these things even though he, he literally can't have anything to do with it but um but whatever i'm here for it <laughs> i know. nightmare on elm street is one of my favorite movies yeah it as is well it's one of and like too. uh the fifth one the dreamscapers i think it's called i don't really remember uh that one is so bad but i love it so much because uh, there's the Dream Warriors. Yeah, that's the one I'm okay. thinking of. Because that's the one with the 80s uh, song. Uh, the Dream Warriors. But yeah, 4 is the Dream Master. Which, uh, that one, you know, was kind of silly. My favorite one, that was the first one. Um, yeah. The first one wasn't the first one I saw. I saw two uh first and i remember very vividly we had a family room at the time where we would watch movies in it had a um uh a futon in there so if we had any guests or whatever it can double as a guest bedroom and my parents were in there watching freddy too and i like wanted to watch but they were like no you can't be watching this shit and but then they let me watch for a little bit and it was at the scene where freddy's at the pool and, like, all the kids are losing their shit because, like, he's making the tiki torches go crazy. And he's like, you all are my children now. And then he's, like, fucking just slashing left and right. And a bunch of kids are just dying. And that was my introduction to Freddy. <laughs> you know? Because it's like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> like, it was just, you all are my children now. Like, just, like, I like that stuck in me to where one of, I can remember this, too. This is weird but um i had uh what the fuck is it called sleep paralysis uh-huh and i heard freddie's voice during it but it said you're going to die tonight like just something like that and i mean it was much more gravelly and demonic <laughs> it was real fucking scary um but, like, now I kind of know where that comes from because, like, I remember being so fucking scared of that scene when I first saw it. And, you know, then, like, it just randomly affected me later down the road. And, um, but, yeah, like, fuck. That that first one is super scary, too. Like, um. I love Johnny Depp in it. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, that's the other cool thing about it. Like, his death is tight, too. Like, how they shot that death is Where so he, like, cool to me. sinks into the bed. Do you know how they shot that death? No. So, they literally built a room on a rotating thing to where they could flip it upside down. Mm-hmm. So, everything was nailed down. And, like, in order to get that geyser effect, they just poured, like, thousands of gallons of blood 
but it looked like it was right side up because of the way they inverted the shot back. But they built a fucking room <laughs> to upside flip down. upside down. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Like, it's so crazy to me. And then, like, yeah, it's such a good kill, too. Like, and that's the thing about the Nightmare franchise in general. Like, there's a bunch of just really, like, creative kills. There's good kills. There's stupid kills. Like, there's the one where um, Freddy kills the gamer with the power glove. And that was so fucking dumb. But uh, then there's the other ones. I think it's in, I think it's in Dream Warriors where the girl gets turned into a cockroach. Um, I don't really remember. I don't remember. They all kind of blur together. Yeah, this is that's the one where they're in the hospital. Yeah, because it's all the kids that have the special abilities. Yeah, in the, dream world. yeah. the one I really really remember is like where they're like on strings and like At it's the top like of a the tower. Yeah. yeah, and he just fucking chops them off. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, because, like, it's her veins and shit that are yeah. the strings. That's, yeah. That's a good shot, too. Like, the pra- again, practical effects, like, they just don't fucking make horror movies like they used to. Like. And I love how in this, uh, the screen movies, how much, like, they reference Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Like, when she's like, those movies suck. Yeah. Yeah, they, they reference just a, the first one because the rest of them suck. And he, like, almost didn't put that in because he was like, that's too mean. But he's like. I also, like, directed some of the other ones and co-wrote them, so I guess I can t- say that they yeah, suck. Yeah, and And, that, and that's, the, that's the cool thing about the meta of Scream, too, because, like, there's tons of references. Even, like, Carpenter uh, is referenced in it. Outside of them times. just watching... Uh, uh, just watching Halloween. Like, there's, like, a street, I think. Yeah. Well, Carpenter no. and uh, the She's dude, like, go down Cunningham. to the streets to... Like whatever the neighbor's house was, and that's or the like Cunninghams or yeah, something. yeah. That's what the husband says to the wife at the beginning when they come home and find Casey dead. Yeah, it's like the same thing that Jamie Lee Curtis says to like the kids. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, I like when Wes Craven makes a little cameo as Freddy, yeah, like just, as Freddy. Yeah, he's just the janitor. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, the fact they got Ferris Bueller to be the principal. That's cool, too. I didn't know he was Ferris Bueller. Yeah, that's him. Uh, I, I don't know what the fuck his name is. I just um, know him from, like, Parks and Rec. He is the dad to that one annoying sibling pairing. Or not Ferris Bueller, the Fonz. What the fuck is wrong with me? Uh, I think he is in Ferris Bueller, though. I, I no, remember he's not. Because it's, he's the Fonz. Being and the Ferris Bueller, he would have been a little bit older. Um, but he was the Fonz. I don't know how I forgot that. That's like a huge oversight. They also got um, the girl from The Exorcist. She is a news reporter. Oh, yeah. See, and that's cool, too. I'm like, it, it's like a... It's like a playful continuity because, like, obviously none of these universes exist in the same universe as far as these films are concerned. But, like, you get, like, the little nods and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, in this universe, this one, you know, this is all different. And, um, you know, it's it's a fun uh, way to pay homage and stuff. Like, and, and, like... I feel like slashers and horror movies do that a ton because you got, uh, I was just watching this documentary 
on um, 80s horror in general. Mm-hmm. And they talk a lot about Italian horror and how that those were like the original uh, slashers uh, that even before the uh, America really started to catch on the wave and stuff because there was a, fil- a few films that came out that are called Jalo Horror and like they use a lot of uh, neon lights a lot of focus on the torture and the pain of it and, and like it seemed like within that five years that those uh, Italian Jalo slashers really got popular then you started to kind of see it uh, just kind of in American culture like the neon and stuff kind of was influenced by the Italians, which is kind of interesting. I didn't really, I didn't know that, but um, just the heavy use of uh, the settings and and all that. Like Halloween, the original Halloween, which is another one of my favorites, has a lot of Italian giallo moments in it. Like the, and it's not necessarily use of neon light, but the, but the dim blue lights and the blacks and the. <coughs> How, how they created contrast and stuff. Um, you know, very much inspired by uh, the Italian Jalo, so it was interesting. But yeah, uh, as far as Halloween goes, yeah. Um, the first one, easily my favorite of the franchise, followed closely by the new one. Um, I like two enough, like two if they didn't do the sister brother story I feel like it could have been a better movie because it takes place mostly in a hospital it changes the setting changes like the the stakes but then they throw in the whole oh it's it's his fucking sister that he's trying to kill and then like they make that the thing from three or not three because three is season of the witch which has nothing to do with Michael so they do it from two four five six and I think they even keep it up until H2O. Or maybe they have it in H2O. I don't remember. Uh, <clears throat> and then Rob Zombie's Halloween's we won't even talk about because fuck those movies. Fuck anything Rob Zombie does. Yeah, like fuck that guy. <laughs> but anyways, you know, then 2018 came around and, uh, you know, initially I fucking hated that movie. At first I thought it was a huge ripoff because I thought... And I don't know. Maybe I was just having a bad day. <laughs> but, like, I, I just really hated all the callbacks from the first one. But then I realized that I needed to shut the fuck up and just realize that this is Halloween for a new generation. So that's kind of why they shoehorn those callbacks. Like, you've seen the original Halloween, right? I still have it. I have it at my house. My TV just doesn't work, so I can't watch it. Well, that's going to have to happen the next time. We're not going to do this. <laughs> but <clears throat> so in the original Halloween towards the end uh, Dr. Loomis which is the guy who took care of Michael after he killed his sister when he was a kid up until another callback to scream yeah yeah uh, and he shoots him six times off a balcony then he looks over the balcony and he's gone and that's where the movie ends something similar happens in 2018 but it's Jamie Lee Curtis gets knocked off the balcony and Michael looks over to see if she's still there and she's gone. And then there's another thing in the first one where Michael's face comes slowly in the camera from the shadows mm-hmm. and like creeps up on Lori. 
Then they flip it with 2018, which pissed me off. And like, it's st- it still feels kind of lazy. I'm sorry. It's the it still feels like such a cheap thing. And I again, I get it because you gotta you know build interest in the older fran- like the older parts of the franchise and stuff. I think that's kind of the idea. But again, they flipped it to where uh, Lori's face comes slowly into frame, and then she says some cheesy shit. She's like. Happy Halloween, Michael. And then she pushes him into the fucking floor and lights the bitch on fly on fire. And I'm just like, I mean, it's cool, but we we don't have to retread <laughs> what's already been shot. Like, if I wanted a shot for shot remake, I would just go to the original. You know, I wouldn't mm-hmm. watch a new thing. And like, it's obviously not a shot for shot remake, but it it kind of it treads that line once in a while, you know? And like, you got to kind of borrow influences. You got to borrow from the past a a bit. And, you know, they definitely do that, but like, it's, there's, there's parts of it that it's at such a level that it's just kind of (laughs) shameful, but I still love it because it's still, still super entertaining. Uh, there's the steady cam shot where he's just going on a fucking murder spree. And like that whole part is shot so well, and it's like you know what's coming as everything is happening but it's still tension building you know and it's a very effective use of tension build uh, tension building and then uh but yeah the original the 1978 original um just everything about that like like i said from the setting from the lighting and like they fucking made that movie with like a hundred thousand dollars or something like that, which was like a low budget, you know. And it ended up becoming not only one of the most influential horror movies of all time, but like it paved the way for the rest of the American slashers, you know. Mm-hmm. Which for me is my favorite genre because like and the, and the the list of slashers is so skewed. So you got. The great ones like Halloween, the original. You got your um, Friday the 13th, which 4 is my favorite. But, uh, you know, those are kind of start decreasing in value. Then you get stupid shit like, I don't know, uh, uh, what is it, Slumber Potter Massacre. Like, that's so dumb. It's such a bad movie. Super misogynistic, too, like all of them. And, like, a lot of slashers really are because it puts a heavy focus on the female body. Yeah. You know, and, like, just this unnecessarily sexed up. And, like... Especially because most of them, like, focus on young girls. Yeah. Yeah. Like, girls that are still in high school. Quote, unquote. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, like, yeah, it's... That's my one thing that I definitely don't like about slashers. Because it's just, it's very predatorial. But at the same time, I can see why that there was such a heavy use on it. Because those movies were so exploitive, you know. Like, mm-hmm. just over-the-top gore, over-the-top everything, shit acting. And, like, nine times out of ten, the dude who was behind the camera and the people in front of the camera uh, started off in porno, like, two weeks ago. Like, uh, one one of my favorite Fridays, like, the dude who directed it was a porn director, (laughs) and one of the girls that gets killed in it, or a couple of them, 
did porn. Like I think it was like a couple months before they actually started shooting it. Um, but like for me, that one was just so. Because uh, I think that was three. That was the one where it was the imposter Jason, and I like that because of just the kills in it, and like uh, how how the the twist happens, and like you know, there's there's no illusion that it's a copycat at all. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they don't they don't really make it seem like. <laughs> It could be somebody else. They just think it's Jason the whole time. So, like, you know, the writing is obviously bad, but um, it was one of my first uh, Friday movies. But, yeah, um, <clears throat> just kind of talking. I but. love how much fashion is influenced by, like, what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, I think about that a lot. Anything political, like, even back in the 20s, like, people were in, like, the A-line dresses that was, like, directly influenced by women's rights movements. Mm-hmm. And, like, anytime like, cottagecore, like, uh, prairie stuff comes in, like, it came in back in the 70s, and it's kind of making a resurface now. It's, like, when people are longing kind of for, like, more simpler time. Because we think back on the 70s as, like, groovy and shit, but it was, like, a really depressing time to yeah, live. Yeah, it was actually a really shitty time to be alive, for sure. Um, there was, like, s- people dying all the time. Yeah, and, like... And, like it, the politics? Yeah, and, like, people would just go disappearing. Uh, it was in the middle of the Cold War. You know, like, just all sorts of shit You just had, like, going people on. being drafted for Vietnam, and, like... Yeah, like, it was that fucking That footage bad. was on the TV, everybody's TV, all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, like, those are real deaths. It was... Yeah. That was a really depraved time to be around. And, like, JFK was shot. Yeah. If anything, like, I feel like those years are a little bit more crazy than what we're experiencing now. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And it's just, like, back then, like, the Prairie Revival was really big because people were longing for a different time. That's why there was all those cults and, like, people just running away and the hippie culture... And, like, you're starting to see a little bit more of that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, do you think we're going to have some more cults? Possibly. Did you hear about the cult leader who was found wrapped in light bulbs or some shit? Like, uh uh-uh. She died. And, like, she... That's a recent cult, too. Um, I don't remember what the name of the cult is. And, you know, I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but... Uh, it was somewhere, I want to say in the Pacific Northwest, uh, they found her body um, wrapped in Christmas lights, heavily decayed and stuff like that. And she was in like the back of like a, I think it was a station wagon or something. I don't remember for sure. Um, but they were taking her place to place to go have people pay respects to her body because she thought she was God and all this, uh. but she was heavy into Q. She was heavy into Trump. Uh, she would just get, sometimes she would get on live streams and just swear drunkenly at people giving her a hard time. But she had a following. Like, she had people that, she had a couple, like, they were called, like, Big Dad or Big Daddy or something like that, to where, like, they possessed, quote unquote, someone of the same power. Uh, that she had um so she slept with him and stuff like that and she was also doing like a bunch of anti-gay rhetoric 
and then going and having bisexual sex, you know, with a man and a woman. And it's just like real strange lady. Uh, I don't, I don't, again, I don't have all the information. I, I heard about her a few weeks ago and I was just like, what the fuck? man?" <laughs> like, so maybe that was like one of the, one of the starts to what's to come as far as cultism. Well, you're seeing it a lot with like the last election. I guess QAnon's a cult. Yeah. yeah. And it's sad. And these and these uh these parties that represent us Democrats and Republicans are becoming cults. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting scary. They're just really big cults. <laughs> But like, uh, and they're about to start a third. Well, they were trying, or I don't know, they might be still trying to start like the third party of like Trump, pro Trump, like even more far right. Yes, <laughs> that's the word you're looking for. It's fascism. <laughs> I just, oh. ah, fuck. I don't. I don't have a ton of faith. You know. Uh, I would rather just see a bunch of hippies not killing each other, not starving each other to death, as opposed to whatever the fuck could be on the horizon, you know, like, ugh. Speaking of cults, though, (laughs) um, cult movies, you know, I don't really have... I'm trying to remember what it's called. Nicolas Cage was in the remake, the but Wicker I only Man. yes, but I the only beast. liked the original. <laughs> yeah, the original like that that the original Fox. I, I will say that it's just like a musical horror. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, uh, and it was like mostly in the daytime too, which is pretty tight. Because I like, love daytime not a, horror. Yeah, there's not a ton of those. Um, another good example of that is Midsommar. Another amazing movie. Like. And there's so much, like, the pageantry of it, the, just, and, and the way the, like, the pacing is, like, it feels like it takes forever, but that's only because I think, um, you're just staring at a bright yellow screen for three hours. Yeah. And I think that's entirely on purpose on Ari Oster's, uh, his directal, the directorial ability, um, because it makes you kind of crazy, like what everybody would experience if you were in the daylight for seven days straight. Yeah. You know, like, it, it kind of infuriates. Like, I got a headache watching it, and I'm just like, all right, I'm just going <laughs> to let this be part of the experience, because I'm sure this shit was on purpose. Um, but yeah, I fucking love Midsommar. And then Hereditary, obviously. That's another one of my favorite horror movies of all time which was surprising because that shit came out like 2018 and that was not like a good time for movies no it wasn't a good time for movies and it really hasn't been a great time for horror really since early 2000s because like there was a huge resurgence with the teen slasher and stuff like that um so like the horror movies we were getting felt very uh hit or miss like you get one every so often sort of deal yeah there's like um oh what are the the ones that are 
Like Us and the other one. Oh, Us and uh, Get Out. Yeah. Yeah. Like political horror. Political And like uh, just more in-depth horror like Ari Aster's movies. That's how you say his name? Yeah, Ari Aster. Yeah. Uh, they're just more in-depth horror. Like those ones are the ones that are like the new ones that are good. Yeah, they and, and they're typically slow burns too. Um, Get Out. You know, it was another one that I really, really like. Uh, I wouldn't say it's at the top of the list, though. Um, just because, like, I feel like it's kind of kind of suffers the same thing. Like the first scream suffers from. It's like once you see all the like, the twist, you know it. Yeah. It's hard to rewatch something with a twist because it's like part of the excitement of a twist is, uh, you know, the experience. The experience the first before time. you find out. Yeah. Um, and you know, for me, it doesn't have a ton of rewatchability for that. Um, same thing with uh, with us. Uh, in fact, I thought us was not really that awesome. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, it was okay. Uh, just just a re- real weird uh, plot device. I thought, you know, uh, having these people, these doppelgangers, live underground. Like, how the fuck? Hasn't anybody found out about that? Yeah, like <laughs> scientists know? and like people like, that study the earth. Yeah, like independent science and stuff would have definitely just stumbled across some shit like that. Um, and there's no way you can have, was it 350 million people live in the States or something like that? There's no fucking way that you can have that in every city. The infrastructure that goes into building those kinds of facilities is ridiculous. <laughs> Someone would see, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that to me was just a little bit too far fetched unless like those tunnels and stuff existed since the history of America started, which begs the question they, like, why erased it. Yeah. Like, like I said, it begs the question, like, why does this exist? Why are there doppelgangers? It's very, it should have been a little bit more supernatural, I think. It should have but been. But it's no The Gallows. Did yeah. you watch that one? Yeah, I've seen The Gallows. That uh, was that's so the bad. One that, yeah, that takes place in the theater or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's a found footage film, too. And typically, like, there's some good, you know, found footage out there. I don't really there. like that genre. You don't? Like, the paranormal activities, the yeah, Blair I Witch. Like, like, I don't like those. I like the Blair Witch only because... I have a connection with it because I thought I was a badass when I was a kid and when it came out like what 99 to 2000 2001 something like that you know two or three years old I was watching it and like I was just like oh man this shit's not even scary this is just dumb it's a dumb found footage movie I was being a little snobby ass kid Mm -hmm. and like (laughs) but like deep down I knew that it scared me (laughs) I was just talking a bunch of shit and uh What was the first, like, scary movie that you've ever seen? The first one was uh, Nightmare 2. Uh, well, I guess front to back, first one? Yeah. Uh, because I remember mine, and it's still one of my favorite movies. Pretty sure it's Freddy vs. Jason was the first one that I saw front to back. Mine was The Orphan. The Orphan? Yes. The See, twist in that movie is really good. I, yeah. I just thought it was weird that she wasn't an adult. 
but did you know that that happened not too long ago in Indiana? Yeah, I, I, I did hear about that story. Yeah, I just I just thought the whole uh, uh, adult part of it was was strange because the character's presence doesn't speak adult at all. And then again, like there's people that just look super young and probably always will. But like, I don't know. I it it was a good enough movie, um, and and especially for the time, because I mean, like, you know, I guess there was like some other like decent horror that came out, like uh, The Village came out around the same time i think uh one of my other favorites i feel like from the same time as jennifer's body yeah that's a good one yeah i I like the 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 demoness aspect of it and uh just just kind of they just kind of went for it i feel like um as far as the gore as far as the subtext like I really, I I did like that. You don't see a lot of like women killers. No, like the only like and the only ones I could think of is Jennifer's body, and Pamela Voorhees. The fright. Uh, yeah, I was gonna. Yeah. Uh, maybe the girl from Audition. I don't know that one. It's a Japanese horror. So like this guy's aud- auditioning females for a role or whatever. Uh, but secretly, he's doing it to find a girl that would be compatible for him. Mm. And this girl who had been abused and misled and all of that kinds of shit before auditions for it, she finds out the truth, slowly tortures him, dislims him, and all this other shit. So, like, that would be another one. Uh, uh teeth. The girl who, like... Yeah, because she does start purposely doing shit with her uh, teeth. Uh, Carrie. Yeah, Carrie. I love Carrie. Yeah, I... I read the book, um, and I've obviously I've seen the film. Uh, and I feel like this is a pretty obvious case of the book is better than the film. Just because, like... I don't know, 74, a lot of those visuals are super cool still. But then there's some shit that just does not hold up, you know? Yeah. Like, just the the makeup effects and stuff. Some of that was, like, super cool um, still. I've never then, read the book. Really? Yeah. It's a quicker read uh, for a Stephen King book. Uh, what's the Stephen King book that I really like? Uh, the Mist. The Mist. I, I haven't read that one. I like it much more than the movie. Yeah, I I I did like the the ending they added to the. Uh, I think I think it's a remake because I think they did one before the one that was, I think like two thousand six or two thousand seven is when it came out. But I like the ending, where basically his entire family kills themselves. <laughs> And then he fucking walks out and to the military, out. stopping everything. <laughs> it's so grim. Like <laughs> that is like yeah. one of the most fucked endings, and it was for no reason. Like, and that's not even the original ending of the book, right? I like, don't. I don't think it the is. ending. I just remember the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Like just. And oh like my God. that book was one of the books that like I have a hard time reading. Just as an adult, and my depression makes it just hard to be interested in books. But that was like the only book I could read for a while. Yeah, 
Yeah, I uh, I was kind of the same way with American Psycho, which goes into one of my other favorite horror movies. And it, it really... It's kind of a horror movie. Uh, but I think it's more of a dark comedy. So maybe I can take it off. But I read the fuck out of that book. Like, I've read that book like three or four times. And, like, there's a lot of hate for that book. And there's a lot of hate for the movie. Because I like the movie. Because of its misogynistic and it treats women as objects and it treats homosexuals poorly in the book um but that's the character that's that's yeah. the horror of those millennial wall street fucks you know that's because mm-hmm. they're so fucking boring the only creative thing they can do is kill women you know that's kind of the whole satire of the whole thing yeah you know and like, it just, I think it's a really good middle finger to that lifestyle, but you have to be reading it from that perspective, because if you read it for what it is, yeah, it's super misogynistic. Yeah, it's super anti-LGBTQ. Uh, it's super just wrong for all the wrong reasons, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but again, like, you have to reframe what you're looking at what you're reading and what you're watching as far as American Psycho goes I think to get the 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 message that's actually there like all these dudes are fucks they're all bad people yeah you know why does Wall Street exist <laughs> like There's you know like, what I mean I was thinking about that in like the stock market and I'm like why do we let these people have these jobs I'm like, gonna take all their fucking money soon uh, I can't think about uh American Psycho without thinking of the movie Eyes Wide Shut, even though, like, they're not correlated at all. I've never seen that movie, but I hear it brought up a lot. It is a very good movie. It's not necessarily a horror movie, but it does deal with, like, the occult just a little bit. Isn't that Cronenberg that did Eyes Wide Shut? Or, um, uh... I don't think so. That doesn't oh, sound... Oh, it's Stanley Kubrick. That's right. Oh, I think part of the reason why I avoided it is because of Tom Cruise. Yeah. I don't like Tom Cruise. Uh, he's pretty good in that movie, though. The movie's really good. Does he do a lot of running from explosions? No, there's oh. no explosions. Because <laughs> every other movie he does. It kind of society. <laughs> so, yeah, like, and I've, I've seen clips of and stuff of it. It looks like a real cerebral kind of uh, fever dream kind of movie, right? Yeah. Like, you're not really sure what's going on the whole time. Like, I, I definitely... I'll watch it. Because, like, I've heard about it a million times at this point. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, Tom Cruise just keeps me at bay because... Uh, Scientology? It's just... No, it's just his film presence. Like, he just... Even in his movies, he comes off arrogant. Like, yeah, <laughs> you can just read it in his acting. Did you hear about like him yelling at the crew for breaking COVID restrictions on yeah. the last movie he was in? Yeah, he, and like, that shit was just for publicity. And like, it was like way too much. Like he should not have been like screaming at them like that. Yeah, he's he's just a fuck. Christian Bale did the same shit on the set of Terminator, where like the lighting guy kept fucking up or whatever. And then he just blew up on him, and someone recorded it. And, uh, you know, he at least apologized, but I, I hear he's terrible on set, too. 
um, just from, you know, the sources out there that you could read on the internet. But, um, yeah, American Psycho, as, as far as the film goes, like, I would say, objectively, it's a bad movie because the pacing is weird, the acting is a little weird, some of the set pieces are just real stale, you know, but because of what it is and because of my attachment to it, because I got into it in high school, which is a super inappropriate time for a young male to be reading those books and stuff <laughs> because you don't really understand it, you know, like, yeah. it's, like you're just seeing it kind of for what it was and then you have to kind of, you know, just have discussion about it to kind of see the other sides. Um, but they do show young men very misogynistic things and don't really explain that they're misogynistic. They they don't explain that it's misogynistic and they don't ex like that it's wrong to view yeah, women. Yeah, but like that's also not the artist's you know responsibility. No, I'm definitely blaming society for yeah. not like teaching men to respect women a little bit more. Yeah, like, that shit, like, the the fact that most women don't feel comfortable walking on a street at night, if not all women probably don't feel super comfortable doing that shit alone, like, and, until that changes, then, you know, uh, we, we can have a different discussion, but I just, you know, it just sucks. Like, I, I don't understand... You know why us men just blow <laughs> but like that's also kind of the the reason why i like american psycho so much because it it's like hey men look how fucking awful you are <laughs> yeah and it was directed by a, fe a female director you know she uh she took creative uh, liberties uh mary mary heron i think was her name uh, she took creative liberties with the book or whatever, and she kind of, you know, rearranged stuff to where it fit better. Um, and, like, she did some nods as far as the musical stuff that Patrick Bateman talks about. Because in the book, there's, like, two or three chapters that are entirely about either Whitney Houston. Um, there There is a Huey Lewis chapter, I'm pretty sure. And there was one other band. Uh, it might have been um, Genesis. Yes, it was Genesis. So there's three entire chapters in that fucking book. And they're like 30-page chapters um, that are entirely about that. And so, like, I thought it was kind of cool how she just condensed it to the killing scenes and stuff like that. Or uh, uh, to kind of help have some dialogue in a scene uh basing it around music it makes it feel kind of real um but yeah i just i just really like that movie because um you know i need to read more yeah i i do too like there's there's so many books that i start reading mm -hmm. like i started reading uh one of clive barker's newest books it's called a scarlet gospel um, cause he's a, he's a writer first. He's a novelist first then a filmmaker and everything else second. Um, and he's continued on with the Hellraiser franchise, uh, you know, obviously both through film and books, but more so on the books in the last decade or so. Um, and 
I got, I want to say like 40 pages deep or something, and it's like a 700 page book, and I was like, well, this shit's so edgy. <laughs> like, do I really want to put 12 hours of my life into how goddamn edgy everything is that I'm reading? Because it was just like such an emphasis on the evilness and the gore and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I don't know, maybe, maybe Clive Barker's a better filmmaker than he is a, a novelist just because like reading all those terms over and over again and makes you visualize it, but it makes me for some reason visualize things times 10. So it just made it just, it just took me out of it. Um, but before that, like, uh, I, I listened to, this is completely unrelated from horror. Um, I listened to a book from Dr. Carl Hart, um, uh, audio book on, uh, what the fuck is this? Audible. Yeah. And, um, Audible, if you're listening to this, sponsor us. Yeah, no shit. Please. But I was listening to drug use for grown ups. Um, just talking about you know the liberties and stuff that are taken away because all drugs mostly all drugs are illegal when like that's literally flies in the face of liberty um but yeah that was the last thing that i listened to slash read i guess um but before that i haven't read a book in like a year Really? I started Pride and Prejudice, and I didn't really like it. No. Um, I might finish it just because I own it, and, like, I need to read some of the books that I own. Um, before that, it was Neil deGrasse Tyson's book, like, uh, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. I read that, like, a year ago. Yeah. But that was, like, the last book I've read. Yeah. Yeah, I I got a list here, and, like, I, I want to I wanna give a Scarlet Girls Pools another chance. Oh, um, no, I reread another book after that, um, and it's one of my favorite books, but I can't remember the title very well. Um, let me do a quick little search. Um, I think it's called Every Time I Find the Meaning of Life, They Change It, and it's about philosophy, and it's like this guy writes about um, all these philosophers and like their different ideals. And that's what he studied in college, and, like, uh, he writes about how it impacted him, like, learning about it in different times in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, every single time I find the meaning of life, they change it. Wisdom of the Great Philosophers on How to Live by Daniel Martin Klein. Okay. Good book. Yeah, uh, I, I read a couple of philosophy books, especially in high school, uh, and I read that DMT book, too, a little bit. I just would skim that book. I didn't really uh, put a ton of time into it, but, yeah, uh, before that, like, I just haven't read. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's something I want to get a little bit more into. Um, but I also get a lot of stuff from podcasts. I get a lot of stuff from... Uh, just doing research. Knowledge is everywhere. Yeah, so, like, I don't feel super bad about not reading as much, but... I think me moving back home, my dad's backyard is where I used to read a lot, so get some reading done. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you should definitely... We have American Psycho, 
So whatever you get through Pride and Prejudice or whatever your first goal book is, I'm gonna lend it to you so you can read it so oh, you get an idea. I should. Because um, I really do think, like, despite how bad Patrick Bateman and the people that surround him are, just the way everything is detailed makes it that much more just... It makes it kind of real. Like, they never talk about facial features of anybody. They never talk about anything other than what that person has materially, which adds a whole other level to the book. Because a lot of books, like, you get a pretty good description of what someone looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you get the uh, scruffy hair and the glasses and he had a beard and, like, you know, kind of heavy set, blah, blah, blah. Like, they typically they describe whoever is being talked about whether it's the narrator if it's the main character if it's whoever um and in this case no one gets that treatment everyone just gets treated for what they have and i think that drives the point even further that fuck these guys because that's all they see you know um and and for a lot of people that's also kind of a turn off because it seems lazy or whatever as far as a writing uh, motif goes, but I think I think it's pretty effective. Um, as far as again the subtext, what's actually you know being read as opposed to what you think you're reading. Yeah. Um, so definitely recommend it. We spent a lot of time on American Psycho, but <laughs> um, but yeah. After that, uh, let's see. You mentioned Nightmare. Let's see. You know. I know I mentioned it last week, but I love A Clockwork Orange. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, I guess, can constitute as a horror movie pretty easily, considering... The ultraviolence? Yeah, what happens in it. Because, yeah, that shit's, uh, that shit's pretty visceral. And, and the, the eyes being held open. Uh, oh, my God. But that's also another one that has, like, a lot of subtext of, like, yeah, you're watching this and like this guy's an asshole and you have no sympathy for him the entire movie but you're watching like what the government does to him yeah and that's kind of it's kind of a good story of a yeah there's a bad person but there's an even bigger organization of bad people yeah you know and like <laughs> it, it builds a good sense of doom and gloom because <laughs> it's just like well, if this fucker isn't going to get me, they're going to get me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it really corners the viewer and uh, also makes you really kind of question your own thoughts and stuff like that, which Stanley Kubrick is pretty masterful at setting up those situations, I would say. Because, like, another one, and this is crazy because this is, I'm pulling a you right now, The Shining. Uh, Do you I know when I Shining. first saw that movie? When you were like, old yeah like maybe three years ago <laughs> so like i don't have a ton of room to talk because that's one of the ogs yeah <laughs> so i'm not gonna give you too much of a hard time about halloween and stuff like that um but uh yeah i didn't even know i i have halloween it's at my house i just don't have a dvd player anymore yeah or yeah. a tv that works yeah well, i've been buying movies off at like apple so i can keep watching them yeah, I, we have I have the Plex thing here. We can yeah. we can sit down and watch 
a couple of these next time. That way, get you freshened up, get you caught up. Um, we'll just do it a day where I have the next day off so I can, like, stay up. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, but, yeah, The Shining, like, that's, that's like, up there for me. Um, I was going to mention, and I'm glad you did. Yeah, because it's... It's so weird, like, <laughs> the premise of it and how heavily it influenced ghost movies, how heavily it influenced horror overall after mm-hmm. it came out. Because you saw all the Kubrick tropes kind of across the board as far as haunted movies and possession movies go. Um so like I I would say that like it really laid the groundwork for all right this is what a good possession ghost haunted house movie can be if you kind of just follow this general idea and you know like it's not one of the more gory ones you know obviously but like the like just kind of but them uh, losing their minds like yeah and like the whole movie is feels heavy like even that opening shot where the the camera's following the family in the car or following jack on his way to the interview in the car on that long stretch of road mm-hmm. that just feels so heavy when it's accompanied uh by the the intro score too um and then just the fact that it's in the middle of winter it's barren cold wasteland around this hotel so there's virtually no escape when it's everything very happens isolating. yeah and like you just have a sense of dread throughout the entire movie that just builds and builds and builds to the climax and it's just so well done because there's a lot of movies that build dread the entire runtime and then just shit all over the place at the end because it, the the dread just kind of falters out like a good example would be any 2000 slasher you know like i know what you did last summer i like the movie though i mean i like it for entertainment purposes but as as far as like story building and stuff like that it's just it, it lacks um but for I'm what it big, is like it's fun sarah michelle geller fan oh yeah that's fair scooby-doo yeah yeah um but yeah uh just just overall the the direction of that movie was just so good um and then dr sleep uh which is the book follow-up as well as the you know movie follow-up um it did a lot of the same shit that i don't like when old movies are kind of reintroduced into pop culture i didn't watch it it like reintroduced uh danny as a kid and it reintroduced, I think, the twins in the blood scene. And it re-in- reintroduced the hotel. Which, like, all all, all those things, I, I think, I'm pretty sure, happened to, in the book. Because the director wanted a pretty true-to-the-source-material film. Um, he's the same guy who did The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor, if you've ever watched those shows. Um, I've seen a few episodes, but I haven't seen a lot of it. Um I thought they were pretty good. I think Hill House is better than Bly, but um, 
Yeah, so like just just the the pacing of it is super good. Um, but yeah, it it, it pulled the Halloween twenty eighteen or Jurassic World, where they they just rip off an idea Fair from enough. before, you know. Yeah. So, and again, it might have already been in the book, so it's just coming from the book. But as far as like what everything looked like, and it's just I don't know. I feel like sometimes we can write right around doing that and i know it's fan service in some respects but you just see a lot of retreading of the same shit in hollywood you know like yeah uh i mean all these horror movies are end up just becoming clones of each other you know like halloween inspired a bunch of other shit before that was black christmas which i recently watched I don't know what that movie is. It actually predates Halloween by a few years. Um, it's a slasher. It takes place in a sorority house. And this is kind of up there for me, too. Just because, like, it is a kind of unsettling film. Um, it takes place during Christmas. Uh, and for some reason, they're still all in the sorority. I don't remember why. But it's got this killer who has been calling and harassing and like it kind of builds up to the first kill it kind of builds up to the first kill pretty um pretty well because uh, there's like there's like a sense of like oh fuck something bad is gonna happen to these girls and then they don't give you the kills right away mm-hmm. like some movies do which like it can work and sometimes it, it doesn't work um but yeah it really it really unsettled me when I first watched it, though, because there's a part where the killer calls and just has, like, this full manic, psychotic episode on the phone where he goes from talking like a child to screaming, and it's... There's something super fucked about that. like unsettling yeah because it's like could you imagine getting that call which is like no oh mommy's home and getting in. <laughs> like it's just like yeah fuck that you know like <laughs> whatever that is i'm calling the cops bro get the fuck off my phone <laughs> but yeah and then like obviously he just kills a bunch of fucking sorority girls and there's a final girl and you know then it ends or does it but um yeah that one was that one's up there for me not as memorable though um i think mostly because i wasn't paying that much attention it's it's probably mostly my fault but uh yeah i I really enjoy uh slashers if you couldn't tell just generally i enjoy them and i also feel weird whenever i watch them because i feel everything that like oh i know i was watching scream 2 today and i noticed that like every single time somebody gets stabbed like i feel like a chill go through my body yeah it's like i hate that but i love it at the same time that's uh like are you like empathetically what's what's the word uh you're empathetically masochistic because <laughs> you kind of like it and you're feeling these things empathet- empathetically you know like, <laughs> like I guess so that's a 
that'd be like a good like death metal song or like a like a horror movie premise or something <laughs> someone that is a masochist but through other people's pain so it's kind of sadistic but like not the same because like you it's you see like, what i'm saying i can feel pain like the pain of the people and it just like is so i hate it but you kind of like it. But I kind of like it. You're like kind of into it. Like this is cool. <laughs> this is like, why do I feel like this? Yeah, I mean. Uh, but I hated that when I was watching Gerald's game, cause like. Oh, where the guy's arm slides off or whatever. Well, it's the girl, cause uh, she's like on the bed. Yeah, when her like arm slides off, I could like feel that, and it was like a long scene. Uh, I was watching with a friend, and he passed. He fainted. Yeah, that was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I don't, I don't think I've seen Gerald's game all the way through yet. Um, let's check that out for sure. Uh, but I would say my all-time favorite horror movie is uh, the original John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, which technically isn't an original because it's but it's original to what the thing was before um, because before it was just like this alien in a spacesuit punching people across the stage and it was all black and white real weird um, <clears throat> but the remake I guess is what it technically is the first one even though it's not canonically it doesn't matter anyways just the practical effects of all of it the the again the sense of dread not knowing who you can trust the entire time because like have you seen it no no i didn't think you have uh at the beginning they they set the stage for um just you don't really know what's happening. Just it sets the stage for uncertainty. You know, um, you you can't escape because of where they're at. They're like at the very fucking top of the northern hemisphere. It's super cold, obviously, surrounded by miles and miles of just ice and tundra and blizzards. And they're at this facility where they're doing some research up there. And this dog that this helicopter is trying to shoot uh, because it's just running towards the base and they can't, um, they can't, for whatever reason, let it go in there. And ends up carrying this parasite this alien parasite um that came from the spaceship that they discovered underneath the ice mm -hmm. and it takes the form of whatever it attaches to and like you don't know it until it's too late and uh so like the dog gets put in one of the kennels and then it affects a bunch of the other dogs but before that someone off screen uh gets I guess infected or uh, taken over by this alien parasite and it just kind of goes you know down the road to where they do a blood sample because they realize that the alien doesn't like fire uh, 
Mm-hmm. So they heated up blood samples, and then, like, you know, everybody is, like, reluctant because they're like, why the fuck should I have to do it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, you know, I'm clean, blah, blah, blah. And then everybody ends up doing it, and then one guy's, his blood literally jumps out of the shit, and he transforms into, like, this abomination of arms and teeth and eyes and just real sinewy fucking grossness and uh you know and then of course there's the uh the the super popular scene where the guy suffers a heart attack and the doctor does the defibrillators but his hands go through his chest because the the chest opens up with teeth and chomps his fucking hands off and inside of the guy's chest the dude's head slides off the fucking table grows legs and like weird peeper eyes like crab eyes to look around and like all the while Kurt Russell is just fucking lighting them all on fire with a flamethrower and it's just like I don't know why the fuck this movie was so hated when it first came out like like they shit all over the the thing when it first came out yeah it was like panned pretty hard it wasn't until later um, that people really started to respect it and yeah, it's my probably all time favorite horror movie because I can just put that shit on and just you know be okay with it. I can watch it every day. I don't, yeah. uh, but I could because I I have gone long stretches of just watching it, you know, like once a day. And um, <clears throat> but yeah, that shit's just so just everything about it. You know, again, the tension building, the setting makes a ton of sense. Because they discovered this fucking alien wreckage in Antarctica, and they, you know, they have a test site and stuff, too, for other stuff going on up there, so they just, you know, and, like, it it makes it more real. The stakes are a lot higher, because you can't just run out the door and go find help, because you're in a remote location. Um, But, yeah. take that thing away from you. Please do. Grounded. We're both grounded. Anyways, what else you got? Hmm. Does 1984 count as a horror movie? The one that takes place in the summer? No. Oh, Uh, I'm thinking of summer of 84. No. Summer of 89. It's like Orwell. Where they have the society with Big Brother. Oh. Do you consider, like, those movies to be horror movies? I was going to ask I, about that. I feel like it's kind of, they're kind of like thrillers more than horror. Would you consider... See, and then I think about that, and I think, like, their premise is just very scary. Mm-hmm. Like, thinking about, like, this uh, society where you have no freedom and, like you can't even think and like the thought police and like I think about that and I think about like the connection between those kind of societies and the like the society that is in the purge um I don't really know how I feel about those movies because I feel like I like like the aspect of the movie but I don't really like like the execution of the movies yeah um yeah I I would say even the purge isn't really i mean the first one is a horror movie but where they're at now uh definitely not horror movies anymore yeah i remember going and watching the first one and i loved it 
Yeah. But after that, it was just like I get it. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and we're seeing this thing lately where movies are super political, and like it's cool. There's a time and a place for it, but I feel like The Purge is one of the examples that does political commentary the worst. Yeah. Uh, because they kept trying to interject it into the storyline, but it kept suffering from stereotypical characters that are stereotyped to the race and shit. The, like, like, that's the Fourth of July one was the worst. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the last one that came out. Yeah, the one where they had them do a raffle or whatever if they took part in the purge and they can make money and Oh, I don't remember that part. I remember, like, uh, they were locked in, like, the house with all the rich people, and then they had, like, the homeless people. Oh, I haven't seen that one. I saw the one where they were on, like, Stanton Island. And this is, it's called the first purge, I guess, because um, it was, like, the experiment for what the purge was going to turn into. And they realized very early on that this is just a way to kill poor people. Yeah. And which is like the whole idea for the whole movies, all of the movies, except for the first one, really. Like, there's not a lot of political stuff in the first no, one. No, it's. I it's like straightforward. That's why I like the first one. Yeah, it's a pretty straightforward home invasion film. Um, but, like, the perspective on it makes a little sense. Like, how the movies progress, because the first one is a obviously well off family that has all these security precautions. Mm-hmm. For when the purge comes, because they're prepared for it. It's just the one time shit doesn't work is when a bunch of people die. <laughs> and, you know, that's just kind of what the whole idea is there. So it makes it made sense to kind of take a look at the other people in society that are affected by the purge. But I just don't know if we need to go super heavy handed. That brings the... up uh, a good thing that I was going to bring up next was I like home invasion movies. Yeah. Uh, the Strangers too. I like that a little bit more than the first Strangers. Pray with, at night. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really liked that movie. I feel like an eighty slasher. Yeah, and I liked. Uh, it was a Netflix movie called Hush. Yeah, with the with the deaf lady. Mm, yeah. I thought that was a good concept. Yeah, that's the same dude who did uh, the Haunting of Hell House, Bly Manor, and uh, Doctor Sleep. Oh really? Yeah, that was. I want to say that was like his one of his first feature films. Mike Flanagan is his name, but yeah. There's some good horror movies on Netflix. Uh, That one, the Babysitter movies. Yeah, more horror comedy. Yeah, but I also really like horror comedy too. Uh, what was the other one I'm thinking about? Ritual. I've never seen that movie. That one's good. A bunch of friends go up into the mountains um, to celebrate something or mourn something. I don't remember exactly. And then they end up like hallucinating and then they run into this cult and they run into this giant monster thing. Really strange movie, but it works really well, I thought. And the way it was shot was really nice too. Like it it wasn't like how some Netflix movies can be where it's just kind of shot shittily, just thrown together. Um, it wasn't like that at all. Which, like, a lot of their horror isn't. A lot of the horror is pretty decent, like you were saying. Yeah. Like, you got a couple of the Stephen King adaptations out of that. Like the 1924 movie with all the rats. 
Yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah. I was uh, the other one I was thinking about that came out on Netflix. <clears throat> Bird Box. I don't know if it's a Netflix original, but I, I really do like that movie. Spirit Box. Oh. No, Bird Box. Oh, Bird Box. Um. <clears throat> I know it was on Netflix for a while. Is that the same? It's the one with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, I'm thinking of the other one. Uh. The. Like, don't speak or whatever. Where they couldn't look. Bird Box is where they can't look. Is that the one where they get into the house and the guy's like, open up your eyes? Yeah. What was the other one? There was another one that was kind of like that. With, uh, John, like, the guy from The Office? No, not not A Quiet Place. Okay. The- it was something else that people were... MGK was in it. No, that's still Bird Box. That's still Bird Box? Yeah. Oh, well, maybe I'm thinking of A Quiet Place, and, yeah, okay. Because they came out around the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like Bird Box was kind of a cheap Quiet Place, but I kind of got it. Um, it also reminds me of The Mist, because, like, the monsters are... What's the word for it? Like, um, where, like, you look at them... Not when you look at them, uh... I don't remember the word. Where you're... Like, they're just... Lovecraftian. Yeah. Yeah. But the monster in Bird Box doesn't have a shape. Well, they do because the people draw pictures of them. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's a ton of good Lovecraftian horror films out there, too. Like... It's such a shame that H.P. Lovecraft was a piece of shit. <laughs> because, like... You can it, say that about a lot of older, famous people. Yeah, yeah. They're all kind of just garbage, but... You know, like, the type of horror that was inspired from those books and adaptations that came from it are super cool. Like, uh, what's, what's the one? Um, Reanimator, that's based off of H.P. Lovecraft... Anything that you see with Cthulhu, you know, is cool. Yeah. And then you get, like, movies like Annihilation, which borrow heavily from it. Color Out of Space, which is an adaptation of Lovecraft. Um, and then, like, you get the references throughout horror movies and stuff, too, which is always kind of cool. Like, like uh, you, you get just little hints at uh, Lovecraftian elements like there's another movie uh, that was a Netflix I think it might have been a Netflix original I'm not sure Uh, but it was called The Void and it uses a lot of Lovecraftian shit in it so um, yeah just super cool Uh, just unfortunate that uh, he sucked (laughs) it's a fucking horrible anti-Semite and most of what he was writing probably came from a place of hate, which is unfortunate. But also mirrors horror well because, you know, that's kind of the root of horror is hate and death. So, yeah. What else? What else we got? I'm just thinking about how, like, a lot of both of our favorite movies are, um, what's his name? Wes Craven? 
Well, yes, him. The Shining. Carrie. Oh, Stanley, Stanley Kubrick, Stephen King. Stephen King. Yeah, yeah, that's his name. Why couldn't I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, <why? laughs> uh, I don't know why. <laughs> um, but Stephen King, he also has Gerald's Game, which is another one of my favorite movies. Cujo, have you ever seen Cujo? Yeah, that's another one of the books I read too. Uh, Again, I just I just think his adaptations like they're good, uh, but his books are just so much better. They're very detailed. Like yeah. the monsters that are in the mist in the books, like he describes them, and like it's just entrancing. Yeah, yeah. Like I like it when an author can make you feel the wetness and the air. Yeah, just by describing something misty and like the whole. <laughs> book i'm like very concerned about the boys like safety more yeah. than i am with the movie yeah and i mean and to be and fair you have a lot more it. time to develop a character yeah. in a book um that's why like i feel like adaptations i don't think they should be turned into tv shows because tv shows get cheapened pretty quickly uh but they should be turned into several movies instead of just one yeah. You know what I mean? Because like a lot of these added film film adaptation or book adaptations turn into like let's cram a bunch of shit into two and a half hours, you know, and then you start to it starts to become real jarring, real confusing, um, especially if you didn't read the source material, you know. Um, and that's kind of the one thing that they all kind of suffer from. Um, Unless we're talking about some of the newer adaptations. Because um, uh, even Rosemary's Baby, which uh, is another adaptation. Uh, but there's there's parts of that, too, where... I mean, it's a horrifying movie. And it's effective, but there's parts of it that are just left out. And it does the story a disservice, you know? I've never seen it. I just know, like, what it's about. Yeah. It's that's probably one of the most horrifying things that could happen to you, um, and then also finding out that everybody around you was lying the whole time. So that does a lot to make people paranoid, I'm sure. Because <laughs> uh, like even her fucking husband was lying to her, you know, like he was in on it too. And then at the end, you know, she makes the choice to raise the kid, which is cool. But it's just so grim. Because now she has to live with the fact for the rest of her life that all these people manipulated her and put her in a position to have non-consensual sex with Satan and then spawn the son of Satan uh, just for all these old fucks to get more money or get roles in Hollywood or whatever. Just real, real dark. But... It's not inherently misogynistic like most horror kind of from that time period was. And, and that, you know, that kind of turned it on its nose. And she she ends up getting the... Uh, making the choice to uh, raise the kid as her own. So, um, but yeah. Stephen King, like, I feel like he is the new Lovecraft, you know. Because there's a ton of stuff that pulls... 
uh, from Lovecraft and his material, like it, you know, like mm-hmm. the fact that it's a cosmic being and there's like a cosmic foe that it has that's a giant space turtle. You it's know, just like an entity. That's a yeah. It's very Lovecraftian in itself, and like the true form of of Pennywise, the Deadlights, is more of an I- abstract idea than anything you could put on film. So mm-hmm. it works a lot better in the books. Um, I don't. I've never actually finished it though, just because it's such a huge book. I just didn't have the patience. Under just, the Dome is another just really big one that I cannot finish. Yeah, like so that's a, that's a, that's kind of the drawback for King for me is that it's just like come the fuck on, dude. Let's get to the point. Like I understand we need to flesh out these people, their environment and stuff. But there's a better way. <laughs> I got a life, man. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, so I, I think, uh, I mean, other than like Texas Chainsaw, that's the only one I didn't really talk about. Do you have anything else? Um, I feel like we kind of skipped over Jennifer's body. All right. Uh, I like how empowering, like, she just is like the demon that Jennifer Aniston played. Jennifer Aniston. Every single time I think about that movie, I think about Jennifer Aniston just because it's Jennifer's body, but it's Megan Fox. <laughs> Two completely different people. Yeah, yeah. She 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 might be like the Jennifer Aniston of her... I mean, Jennifer Aniston is the Jennifer Aniston of her gener- generation. Yeah, she just... There's nobody else like her. No. But I could say the same thing about Megan Fox. Megan Fox is just like... She's so shit on. And yeah. she doesn't deserve it. Yeah. That it, movie was mismarketed. It, it was tar- it should have been targeted towards like the same audience as Mean Girls, like young girls, because girls watch that movie and they feel empowered as fuck. Yeah, yeah. And that that's what I was saying. Like that's one of the few examples of something that it does empower the female characters. And I feel the same way entirely. about Carrie. I'm watching her light all these people on fire. I'm like fuck yeah Carrie I'm watching her eat these boys and I'm like fuck yeah Megan Fox yeah yeah and it's just yeah it's not something that you see a ton in horror um and how like she just like her character how she changes from like she's pretty nice but it really does like talk about she's like not relevant anymore mm -hmm. and like the things that she's doing like the way that they talk to each other like uh, they like comment on each other's weight and appearances and that's like what they care about and she's very superficial and she's doing all this so she can stay young and beautiful and like feel good yeah yeah and it there's a lot of social commentary too that I think is important in that film as well kind of like what you were saying just kind of just generally the experience for a girl in high school you know, because her her best friend, the one who ends up beating her in the end, mm-hmm. um, is kind of like an every girl, you know? And yeah. she's not over-sexualized. She's, she goes out of her way to, to not be sexual. Like, she se- comments on it in the beginning when uh, they're going to the concert and she's getting dressed. She's like, she has to cover her tits because, like, that's her friend's thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's and that's the whole thing too, because it's like it could be said about both stereotypes to where it's unempowering to portray a stereotypical goody two shoes girl, and it's empowering to portray that f- figure in um, up against uh, Megan Fox's character. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of uh, good and evil in that situation, um, but I still think it's it's a creative way to kind of be like, well, you know, fuck these girls that like the mean girls, you know, like that's well, it's like what's the extent you would go for like beauty and power, yeah. like because she's that's why she's killing the boys is so she can stay youthful and beautiful and like they talk about how like. She used to be prom queen. Now she's taking laxatives to stay skinny. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that kind of speaks to what was going on at the time, too. I think there was a lot of just casual eating disorders. It was very prevalent in the 90s and the 2000s. Like, I I remember, like, seeing it on the news a lot uh, where they're like, you know, talk to your kids about eating disorders and all this. And, and like, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen were very famous at the time, and they were, like, known for their eating disorders. Yeah, and so I think... And, like, Paris Hilton with that, like, really skinny, skinny girl idea. Yeah, yeah. She she looked And sick. Sophia Richie, she was very skinny in the early 2000s. Like, there, was, there was a lot daughter. of that. Yeah, there was, like, a ton of that going on. I remember... Like, that was the look, too. And it's just like, why? Like, the price of beauty. (laughs) Like, the fact that there's even a price in society for that, like, it just blows my mind. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, I know that there's still people out there that, like, really deeply care about their appearance and they care about what they wear. But I just don't think that's the right way to look at life, you know? Like... And it's, it's it's so unfortunate because it takes so many young people, you know, it takes them through eating disorder, suicide, and um, because they don't feel like they belong or they don't feel like they're good enough or whatever. And it's just such a fucking waste. And, like, the fact that there's not a ton of people in society that take accountability for those kinds of things just really bums me out. And there like, was a situation with the Kardashians not too long ago. Khloe Kardashian... Uh, her, like, grandma posted a picture she didn't approve of, and she was like, take it down, and was like, threatening to sue people that reposted it, like, just regular people, mm-hmm. and she was like, I don't want this picture on the internet, like, I deserve to not have this picture on the internet, like, I deserve to be insecure, it's like, no, you can't, I don't feel bad for her, I don't feel bad for any of the Kardashians, because they promote things that make people like shit themselves like laxative teas Mm -hmm. as like how they're skinny and how they look the way that they look on instagram when really it's photoshop yeah 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 and that's so yeah disorders yeah they're perpetuating the problem that we've been trying to get rid of since the early 2000s and it's not just them too there's tons of influencers unfortunately that that peddle these products and shit um, and they're like, oh, I'm so curvy and stuff, but it's injections, it's procedures, it's Photoshop, it's all these things that are just not 
realistic to the average person. Right, yeah. And they're marketing it to the average person as, I get this because of these teas that are not good for you. Yeah. Yeah, like, I can understand doing the cleanse once in a while, but, like, I'm sure those things are recommended to be used regularly. They're not good for you even once in a while. They're just not good for you. Toxins in your body does not exist. No, I'm talking about, like, if... Not, like, one of those cleanses, but, like, poop cleanses and stuff. Uh, Sometimes you need those. You know, like, I think that's, like, normal. Um, like, a probiotic. Like, that's, yeah, those are okay. I, take, I do eat yogurt with, like, probiotics and stuff in it because that's, like, good bacteria for you. But, like, those are literally laxatives. Yeah, yeah. Anything, yeah, laxative-wise, yeah, no. You don't want to be putting that in there. Because what that does is it weakens those muscles and stuff because it's, they're overworking. And then as you get older, as those muscles get, you know, weaker and weaker and stuff like that, you know, now you're just running into the chances of, like, just gaining more weight, storing bad waste in your body, and potentially going to kill yourself with sepsis from using those too much. And, like... You know, it's young people that buy them. I'm sure there's all a range of people, but I'm sure it's mostly young people that buy that shit. And all they're doing is they're shortening their fucking lifespan. All I'm saying is my diet secret is just eating healthy regularly and often. Like, eating meals. More than one meal a day is good for you. Yeah, yeah, like... Like I said, it's just it's just so crazy how much emphasis our society and other societies place on on looks and um, like appearance or you know what you're putting out there because it's just like at the end of the day that it, that it doesn't speak to who you are and it's just like I said for for the kids that get affected by it it's just it's such a fucking waste. And, uh, you know, for me, like, it's kind of where I found Solace was in horror, you know, because, like, (laughs) it didn't do all those things that other forms of entertainment typically do where they um, promote, uh, you know, a ton of hate or a ton of dissent. Um, in a way that was socially political at the time. Like, you see a lot of comedies and stuff using the F word and stuff like that from the 80s. Like, the, like just tons of homosexual slurs, tons of racist slurs and stuff like that. And there were definitely some horror movies that did the same shit. But overall, a horror movie was kind of like a kid that was getting bullied their revenge because it was almost always a deformed person yeah it was almost always somebody with a dark secret it was almost always somebody uh with some sort of a mental affliction you know that ended up taking out all the camp counselors or you know possessing the family and what do the bad guys in horror have in common with with like kids like you or I in high school we have all those things so it's like super easy to relate to that and I mean honestly kind of put yourself in those shoes 
you know, put yourself in the in those vindictive shoes. And um, you know, there was something there's there's a lot of release that comes from that. Um, there's a lot of enjoyment because of, you know, what you're seeing on screen on top of the artistic vision behind it. Um, and there's a ton of catharsis, you know, and I think overall horror is not appreciated enough for those reasons. It's more appreciated for what it is, which is cool. But yeah, I, I think, you know, I mean, that was one of the biggest reasons why I was attracted to the genre, you know, it was, it was no like bullshit. <laughs> here's, here's the vindication of anybody with these things, you know, mm-hmm. and most of them are like that. And, you know, it's, it's just a cool, cool experience because I mean, yeah, like I said, you, you see it throughout all of them and, uh, Yeah. So you ever seen Texas Chainsaw? I have seen the new one. The new one? Which new one? Um, There's like a bunch of new ones. I don't know. Oh. Was it, uh, was it the one by Michael Bay? Like early 2000s maybe? I think so. It felt very early 2000s. I I didn't like it. Really? Yeah. So yeah, that one, because it's the one with the draft dodger, right? Where it's a brother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one, I actually, I actually do like that one quite a bit. Um, not as much as the original. It's just like, I don't feel like I, it just scares me a lot. Something about like, like, you know, Last House on the Left, like the kind of like deformed hillbilly like thing really fuck, fucks with me. Well, I think you come from a regional location that could have happened at, yeah. <laughs> you know, because like you you lived in Angola for a while and like that's uh, pretty Lagrange much. Lagrange was worse. In Lagrange, yeah, and like so, you're just surrounded by that shit up there, you know. Yeah. Like. The, it, I think that's why it messes me so much. Like that season of American Horror Story, Rogan Oak, yeah. where they have like the two kids that are like with the pi- like milking on the pigs. That was the scariest like thing in American Horror Story for me. Really, I don't know if I ever saw Roanoke. Roanoke's pretty good. I saw... Um, I think I appreciate the seasons of American Horror Story when I can sit down and watch them on Netflix and not watch them week to week. Yeah. Because, like, they really are just better binge-watched. Yeah. I mean, you get to remember... Yeah, you <laughs> just get to remember all the details and, like, you really do forget it week from week in those, like, hour-long... Yeah, because you got other shit going on. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's better to take it at large, ti- uh, large samples at a time. It's just, like... The show that I noticed, like, because I will watch them when they come out, but, like, mm-hmm. I also will rewatch them, especially with other people for the first time. Like, I feel like they always experience, like, people that experience it that way always love it, and I always hate it until I rewatch it, and then I finally love it. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of like that. Uh, I mean, there was a few seasons where I did just not give a shit about on uh, American Horror Story, but I liked the first one. Because I thought the twist was interesting. Um, I liked Asylum, too, which I think was the second season, right? Yeah, it's my favorite. Um, I thought the the twist for that season 
actually kind of tied everything off nicely. Uh, I have grown to like the election year one more. Um, um, with the rewatch, I like that one a lot more than I liked it when it came out. Yeah. But also, I'm, when it came out, I was like, it just felt like it was right after the election. Yeah, it was just it was just a little too on the nose. I think. I mean, it really hasn't aged well either. I don't think, but I still enjoy it a little bit more now. But like, I just thought when it first came out, I was like, "Holy fuck, this is so on the nose. This is literally happening in real time." Yeah. Like, <laughs> to me, it just really took me out because I'm just like. And then like Sarah, Sarah Paulson's character and uh, Evans Peters' character in that, like, I just couldn't like them. Yeah, they're both wildly unlikable. And like, like I do love them as actors and it pissed me off because i love them every season but like i fucking could not stand them yeah yeah they like they made sarah paulson's character just a bitch too liberal she was she was karen yeah i was like holy fuck shut up and she had meltdowns about everything and like and then uh evan peter's character was the personification? Yeah, like it was the personification of any basement dwelling QAnon believer, and just and like and I think that's part of the reason because they're trying to show the the divide and how massive massive it is, mm-hmm. but in reality they're pretty much on the same side because once you go so far left or right, you just come back to the fucking middle, you know, because you end up being the same thing. And uh season that's way worse than that one though is uh Apocalypse. Apocalypse is the see, fucking worst season. I fuck with Apocalypse though. Really? Because of that last was it the last season or the last episode? How they tied in the beginning of the franchise. I was like, Holy fucking shit. Like, I remember losing my mind, like literally like oh my god, like <laughs> just I said that with intensity and it it was so good. I think the part that lost like I like that storyline in it. I don't like the storyline with like the two other people that like the black girl and the one boy that are like brought down there because they're like special. Like that and then then they have like the new antichrist and that's like it's really the only reason that they're there but it's like Honestly, would have been a really good season without them. But yeah. their storyline was just like uh, just kind of shoved boring. in there. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But I, I like the whole premise of like of there's only a, a you know selective few elite people that get access to these bunkers and blah blah blah. Yeah. It's and just like, like I didn't need them to be there yeah. for the story to be any different. Yeah, like. I just I just thought how it all tied in was super cool, unique, and uh, um, it was just, it was also because it was like my favorite season. My favorite season is the haunted house one, the first one. Yeah, that one's perfect. Like you can't fuck fuck that up. Like uh, I love season four, the like freak show. Freak show, yeah. I've I've gotten like I like that one, but like the whole vibe, the whole hokey 40s 50s vibe of it i liked it takes me out i just don't like that time period of history especially american culture american culture oh, at so that time was like ah, oh, very nice thank you ah yeah newspaper newspaper here i'm like 
Just like that whole, ugh, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I do like it. Yeah, I can see you being super into, like, just you, like, on the corner. Oh, get your newspapers here. Oh, that'll be 25 cents, huh? Thank you. Oh, okay. You know, just. Boy cap. Yeah, yeah, some exactly. Some trousers. Yeah. Some suspenders. Covered in soot. Just, yeah. <laughs> just dirty as like, fuck. My other job is to sweep the chimneys. <laughs> yeah. Just fucking have lung cancer at nine because that's how the world worked. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been working with all that coal, and of course, I'm a chain smoker. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> Actually, you probably assemble like Maud. Hi, my name is Maud. Like that would be you, uh, like at nine in that time period. My name would probably be Maud, or yeah. like my grandma. Her name's Maxine. It'd be little Maxine. Little uh, Maxine. There we go. Hi, my name is Maxine. Would you like a fucking newspaper? I think that's that's what it would be. That would be you. Um, but yeah, like, and that's that's kind of my whole thing with uh, the fifties, forties. Like, I just think it's a little too campy. It's, I just think our our ideas of entertainment back then, our ideas of fashion back then, are just very questionable. Really, yeah. I like the fashion. I just got this, like, halter dress that reminds me of a 50s housewife. Like, it's, like, really tight on the top, and then it kind of, like, goes out, and it, like, goes, like, to, like, my mid of my calf. And I'm like, I look like a little housewife, and I like it. Yeah, well, it's probably a more modern cut if it's tight like that. It's tight on the top. Yeah. It's just on the bottom. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's definitely more of a modern dress, but I felt like a... (laughs) I felt like a little housewife in it. Yeah. But, um... But it was, like, T-length, so it made... Yeah. Oh, sure. I didn't even realize I didn't have this turned all the way up. But, um... Let me turn that back down a little bit. Yeah, so... Texas Chainsaw, like I was saying. Um... Fuck that movie. I saw that one kind of youngish. I had been 10, 11, so like not super, super young. Uh, at first I fucking hated it because I thought like, I, and there was a time where I just hated anything that was made 30 years before, 20 years before, mm-hmm. um, just because the technology was so much different, you know, when I saw those movies. And, like, for me, just everything about it just took me out of it when I was a kid. And I just couldn't, I didn't get it, you know. But then rewatching it as an adult or even just a little bit older, I don't even know when I really rewatched it. But my experiences with it since, it's always, it's always, like, it's super enjoyable now. Like, just... (laughs) The, the kind of hokiness of it, but also the, the scariness of it. How there's really no on-screen gore. Like, it's all implied violence. Like, I mean, there's some straightforward gore in it, but... Like, even when there's a scene where Leatherface chainsaws this kid that's in a wheelchair as they're running through this field or whatever. And, like, you see him just pop out of nowhere. And my initial reaction to it was like, all right... You would have heard a chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> a foot in front of you. Like, yeah. there's no excuse for that shit. But watching it for what it is, 
makes it like, oh shit, like <laughs> you're gonna get fucking chainsawed. You know what I mean? So like, if if you don't look at it with an analytical brain, it's a very enjoyable movie. Um, just because like it's it's paced very nicely. It's uh, just kind of one thing after another, um, as far as like developments and as far as like you know meeting the rest of the cannibal family uh you know having to deal with leatherface the entire run length and then at the very end where the final girl gets out just by like an inch of her life you know all of her friends are fucking dead on meat hooks or have been cannibalized or have been chopped up or turned into new apparel for the family and she just hops in the back of the truck, screaming of the fucking bloody murder. Leatherface is right there, swings his chainsaw, the truck just takes off, and that's how it ends. And, you know, you get, like, a, a brief moment of, like, Leatherface swinging his chainsaw around, just being maniacal. And it really wraps up, like, a really just fun movie. Uh, I, I think people overhype it and saying that it's like super you know uh, good as far as story and stuff because it's not it's a slasher you know yeah what what are you really gonna do (laughs) but uh as far as like what it set out to do it fucking does it and then some so it's always it's always been near and dear for me uh even later in life too and then with the remakes with the reimaginings that have happened, like the one that you've seen, where it's a little bit more gory and probably even a little bit more intense, I would say. Yeah, I I wasn't really into how gory it was. Yeah. I'm not into like extremely gory movies. Like I like s- slashers that have knives. Yeah. Because I'm like, eh. it's a little a little less messy with the knife. Yeah. Depending on what you do, I guess. Um, but yeah, with the chainsaw, you're just you're just spattering. Or with, like, a machete, you're hacking stuff off. So, a knife is a little more. That's yeah. it. Unless. Even, like, the machete doesn't really bother me. It's really the chainsaw that I'm like, oh, that's so fucking gross. Like, the blood spattering <laughs> that just comes having with a chainsaw. chain going through your body. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Uh, you know... You, have you ever done like a haunted house thing? You just, yeah, and the chainsaw and they have the people chainsaw are guys. the worst yeah. for me. It's like, always at the end too. Yeah, and they just come just suddenly. Like, I'm like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> like, I don't really like haunted houses. I like them. Uh, I mean, it's like it's like being in a horror movie. I like being immersed in horror. Uh, like, I don't like it. I feel like I get very targeted. And it's probably not true, but because I do react so much, oh, they love me. Jump, uh, scare actors love people that react, and I'm that's like, the whole reason why they do their job. I know, and it's like uh, I can't help but to be so like reactive just because I have like PTSD. So like when people jump out on me, like I fall, and so I do not like. Haunted I'll just put you up on my shoulders and take you through one so you can't fall. <laughs> just you just be hitting your head on shit the whole time. <laughs> uh, and like, like I really like them. And I think the actors like 
they just get so into it. Yeah. And I know because I've been an actor in a horror like thing, and it, I love acting in them, and I understand why they love acting in them. Yeah, and like they're usually all dead up with like psycho makeup, or they get to be their favorite slasher for it, or something like that. Yeah, like I've always wanted to be like a like a Jason jump scare. Actor. I'm always somebody that's like really kid like and creepy. Yeah, because yeah. I've been in a few haunted things. Yeah, I've never I've never been in one. I had a buddy who did one, and his girlfriend at the time and her dad were like really involved in one out in bumfuck Egypt out here in Indiana I don't even know where it's at but it was like built in a barn and there's like parts of it where you have to crawl through to get to I went to uh, one that was like in an old abandoned school and it like had a lot of crawling they had a lot of clowns I feel like people that dress up as clowns at haunted places are like your least favorite yeah Yeah. and like I but I do love clowns yeah yeah like and the the things that I think that makes clowns the scariest is that like their faces are so wildly distorted. Yeah, and, and they, they're so happy. Or like <laughs> they act just insane, and I think that's uh, with just my childhood. With my childhood, the two things that like really really scare me is uh like the cannibally like weird deformed people yeah and people that are like literally just crazy because my dad's like just literally crazy and like when he would go into manic episodes it would make me very scared so like those people act very manic and like do like the weird manic stuff yeah and it makes me just so uncomfortable yeah but the way you preface and get through that discomfort is just remember that they're actors yeah i know and I, I know it's I know it's hard to take yourself out of it and look at it for what it is, especially if it's a really well done haunted house. Because um, I went to Hollywood Horror Nights, which isn't even the best one I've been to, but it was still fucking cool. Because um, uh, they did a Halloween house that year. They had a Walking Dead house, and they had a couple other houses that we went through. Um, but like, I jump. And I'm 6'2", fucking 250 pounds of just man. fucking man, yeah. And I jump, I go, ah! Like, I like I react, and, like, but, like, I also, like, <laughs> I'm not gonna, I don't know, like, let it freak me out as bad as if, like, when I was a kid. Because my first experience with one of these haunted houses, I was, like, seven, eight, maybe. It was around the time that The Mummy came out. The one with uh, the dude from Monkey Paw. I never watched The Mummy. Um, the fuck is his name? Brendan Fraser. And I was at one of the Universal Studios with either my grandma or my aunt. And I wanted to ride The Mummy ride. Well, on the way to The Mummy ride, it's a haunted house. With What? Mummies, <laughs> and they would just fucking pop out at you, and I was just like, "Holy shit, this is just the line!" But like, as an eight-year-old, like, just more terrified. And I was like, "I don't even want to fucking do this anymore. Like, I'm so scared." And then like my grandma the whole time, or whoever I don't know if it was my grandma or my aunt, but they just did not fucking react the entire time. And I don't know. Like my first experience with it was just, it was terrible. 
But after that, it was kind of like the same thing. Like my first experience with the roller coaster, I screamed and cried, did not want to get on it. And then I finally got on it and got off. I threw up and then asked to do it again. It's the same thing with uh, with the haunted houses, kind of. Like, I was just like, I don't want to fucking finish. This is just terrifying. And then I finally finished it, and then it was cool. And ever since, it's been like, yeah, I want to go to all of them. I don't like roller coasters. You don't like roller coasters? No. I get really sick. I'm just, like, knocked around too much and shit. Yeah, I can't even, like, drive on 69 without, like, getting a little car sick because that makes your car vibrate a little bit. No, yeah. That sucks. Because, like, I love roller coasters. Or, like, merry-go-rounds. Oof. Yeah. And then, like, I used to ha- I used to be, like, that kid that rode the Gravitron a hundred times during, like, the fair. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved it. But then I got older and, like, all of a sudden now I can't. Yeah, that sucks. There have there there's um because I I don't know if I told you but like a couple of days it was last week yeah it was last week I was doing a uh, ride along with our new operations manager and apparently he had motion sickness and we we're on the way to one of my accounts in Ohio and he was starting to experience motion sickness really really badly so he had me pull over at this rest stop somewhere between indiana and ohio to just drop him off to have him have his wife come pick him up it was so bad oh that's unfortunate and i was just like man i just i don't understand motion sickness like i think it's mostly because your body is feeling something so your brain your brain sends a weird signal to just tell it to throw it all up or something like it's just it's such a weird defense mechanism because it's just like what if what if you're like fighting a beast and it's a real wavy beast like our pri- our our primitive ancestors right so so you're telling me that they're gonna throw up <laughs> all over like a mammoth like they're trying to conquer a mammoth they're gonna throw up all over it and piss it off more <laughs> like because like that's the only thing like it just seems like that would have been like, like not like it's something that was maybe not it's more recent yeah 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 Maybe it maybe it is a product of evolution and maybe it developed because of something else, but it's just it's just such a weird thing to me, like how your body can just betray you like that. Like <laughs> Yeah, I experience it a little too often. Yeah, it sucks. I used to have like a real anxious stomach where like I would get real nauseous, like if I had to deal with something that uh was either gonna be unpleasant or I was scared to do or whatever. Oh, yeah. I almost missed math every day in sixth grade because I was always in the nurse's office because I didn't understand how to do the math and it would, like, make me sick. That sucks. And to this day, my mom, like, doesn't understand that that was an anxiety thing. She's just like, remember how you would come home every day and then eat a lot and then go to sleep and then you'd be like, I feel better. It was like, yeah, because I was just, like, anxious. Yeah, yeah. And... That's the thing, too. Like, I feel like you experience the worst of your mental disorders when you were a child. Because I remember (laughs) uh, growing up, just every little fucking thing, you know, like, made me feel that way. Like, for example, when I would go stay with my grandparents for the summer, I was a different kid. Because I was always raised to not swear and act like that in front of your grandparents. No, I don't really care as much. You know, yeah. I'm just like, what the fuck ever. You're like, an it adult. Doesn't, it literally does not matter. And if it matters to them deeply, then 
I'm sorry, but I'm just not going to compromise who I am. Um, but yeah, I remember like I would <laughs> just not be able to sleep because I was so terrified of fucking up while I was out there or like getting on their bad side. And like, like I would throw up. I wouldn't be able to keep food down. And then there was like a few times when like when I first got my license, like I had such an anxious stomach and I was so good with my anxious stomach that I could drive and throw up out the window at the same time. It was at such it was at a point where it was just so I was so used to my anxiety. But now it's just like I get anxiety but it's it's so much more manageable now. Like, yeah. I uh therapy, therapy is the shit. Therapy helped a lot. Me and my um, therapist have been making a lot of progress. Like, we started all my DPT skills, and uh, last session we were just talking about, like, how good I was doing lately. That's good. And, like, we talked about it because we're like, why am I doing good? Like, what am I doing differently? And, like, we found out that I'm learning how to, like, stay in the present, not, like, think too much about my future. Mm-hmm. And, like, just have massive anxiety over, like, what I'm going to do next because... Even she noticed, like, we were doing this skill where we find five things that we see, four things to touch, three things to hear, two things to smell, one thing to taste. Yeah. And, like, when I'm doing it, I just rush. And, like, when I do things, I rush through them. And, like, I don't try to, like, live them. Yeah, you don't try to experience it. Yeah. I just try to get through it. I totally understand that. I'm still like that with food. Um, I am, too. Like, you've seen me eat. I smash. Yeah. And it's not because I'm fucking starving. I don't know what it is. But, like, yeah. Like, that's the one thing, like, I still have a hard time just stopping and enjoying. Um, actually, no. I kind of... I, I think I'm a lot the same in that regard. Because there's a lot of stuff I just try to blow through. But, like, I'm learning how to stay present. Like, keep my mind there. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, helping my anxiety so much. Yeah. Uh, I've been going to the bar a little bit. Yeah. And that's something that I used to not be able to do. Like, I go to the bar to dance, and it's just, like, so fun. And I don't need, like, a ton of alcohol to do it like I used to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, just generally better? Just generally a lot better. All the dead weight in your life gone, or? Uh, kind of, sort of. No. No. It's like back, but better. Okay. But good. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. Right? I know what you're talking I'm about. I'm just not trying to say it on air. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. We took like two weeks. And like now it's good. Yeah. That's, that's, for, that's a conversation for another time. But <laughs> um, yeah, like as far as like being able to get yourself... Um, to a point though where you at least are making progress like that's something that for some people takes a long time other people you know it kind of happens more naturally it's really just a matter of how receptive you are to it you know it seems like you're pretty receptive yeah so like it's gonna do good for you regardless um i when i when i was going through uh cbt and all that um i uh I would start and stop and start and stop and start and stop. And the few, few, uh, the first few therapists I dealt with, one of them was like court ordered because I had tried fucking killing myself. 
And yeah, those therapists, like, it never ends up working because you don't really want to be there. Yeah, and, like, I just lied to him a bunch and stuff, and I think he knew that. Because, like, obviously they can smell bullshit, especially those yeah. guys. Like, they've seen it all, you know. Um, and then I had another one that, you know, I saw for a little bit in high school. And then, like, the insurance or something wasn't able to take her anymore. So I ended up just, like, seeing my psychologist. She would listen to me as a courtesy but didn't have anything to offer and just prescribe. You know, like, she would, like, set aside an hour, which is still cool. Because, like, that's not a psychologist's job. A psychologist's job is to prescribe and diagnose. But um, that didn't do anything. And it wasn't until... I want to say like 2016, 2017, maybe before I had Phoenix, um, that I, you know, started getting involved in cognitive behavioral therapy and started taking it more seriously. First therapist I told the whole fucking truth to sort of thing. Um, but yeah, like a lot of those things, like as you learn them, they will definitely stick. And they just get easier to to do as far as, like, grounding techniques, as far as um, being in the present, as far as um, being able to control your reaction to stuff. That was my biggest thing, you know. I had uh, explosive behavior (laughs) when I was a teenager, especially, and then into my early 20s. but like being able to recognize situations for what they actually are as opposed to what I think they are um, you know really takes you a long way uh, something I noticed when I was at the bar is I went with my stepsister and she was like very anxious and she was like oh, we're gonna have to take a break again I would be Juniper was like oh like all these men are staring at you and like getting very anxious about it but I was just like the entire time, all I could think of is, like, those people probably just think I'm having fun because that's what I thought about the people that were dancing before I started dancing. Mm-hmm. Like, we were watching a band, and, uh, like, you know, people were dancing. I was like, they look like they're having so much fun. I want to go dance. And the entire time I was dancing, all I could think of, like, when she said that was, like, they probably just think that we're having fun, like... And I was staying in the moment of dancing and not thinking about what all those people watching me were thinking. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's super important for people with crippling anxiety is being aware of the moment, yeah. not everybody else. My biggest thing, and I think I told you this before, what really helped me, though, was just thinking... I'm not going to give a fuck what anybody says because they're going to (laughs) die. Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, I don't give a shit what you have to say about me, what you think about me, whatever. Because you could die in the next five seconds and then that was the fucking, like, if that was the thought that you had, then go ahead and die mad. You know what I mean? Like, and that's just kind of how I live life now. And it helps you, like... Stay not mad. Yeah, it's like you don't want that to be your last spot. Like fuck you, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just like I, I just, and then like you know, performing really helped too, because my first few outings with bands, uh, 
were, were bad. Because uh, <laughs> I had, at that time, was probably the peak of my anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was, like, all the shit from, you know, my childhood or whatever was coming out. And it was manifesting in shit decision making. It was manifesting in uh, lack of impulse control. It's just all the all the things that come with post traumatic stress, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> you know, it really ramped up the first couple of times being on stage in front of a bunch of strangers. Uh, but then you know, doing that over and over and over and over and over and over, just feeling that vulnerability, it became more exciting than scary. You know, like the pre-show jitters were not because I'm afraid to fuck up. It was just like, I'm amped. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm just so amped that I need to release it (laughs) because if I don't, then like, I'm just going to have a violent crash and just pass out. (laughs) Cause like my body would just produce all this adrenaline. Almost sugar rush. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what it kind of felt like. I was just like, all right, let's fucking get it. You know, and, uh, man, I miss that feeling. It's a good feeling, but, um, you know, that's an example of what you can turn, like, once you get used to doing things, your ability to turn your perspective into something else gets better, too. Yeah. You know? uh, my ultimate goal is to, like, be able to do karaoke. Yeah. That's, like, my weird end goal is, like, for my anxiety to be so, like non-existent that I can finally do that. Yeah, karaoke is, I mean, like, as silly of a pastime as it is, I mean, it's a very vulnerable thing to do. Yeah. Like, it's just you up there unless you do a duet, which, like... That helps. It helps, but, um, you know, you're still, you still feel very naked up on stage. It's like, Um, oh, all these people are watching me and they're, like, wasting their time, like, giving me their time. Like, I'm supposed to entertain them. It's like, oh. I mean, you're not really, like, the the thing about karaoke is this, okay? The only people who are really paying attention are fucking drunk. Anybody else is in their own world not even listening to what you're saying. Yeah, but, like, in my brain, that's what's going on. And that's why I can't do it. I know, but if you just tell yourself, all right, well, here's reality. Everybody that's Nobody still at the bar does not give a fuck. Anybody that's on the dance floor or whatever's right in front of the stage looking at you is like doing it for entertainment. And you might have someone heckle you, but you know what kind of fingers you have? You have two of these. And mine's tatted and I love <laughs> using it. And you can just be like, fuck you. Let me see you do it. Challenge them to do better. And if they don't, then whatever. Who fucking cares? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I used to... Because I was I was so fucking... I was longing to perform. Um, I would do karaoke of Moist songs at... Uh, at uh, what the fuck is that place called? Off of Main Street. Is it Peanuts? No, not Peanuts. Uh, fuck. The Ruin. Uh... I would just have, because, like, the, the dude who was running sound there, or is running sound there, I used to work with at uh, Guitar Center, and I would just be like, hey, man, can you, like, throw on this Moy song or whatever, I'll, I'll just do a karaoke for everybody, and, like, it was it's silly, because, like, it's my own fucking music, Yeah. <laughs> and, like, there, I don't have any, I didn't have instrumentals of the songs 
for him to play so like my vocals were going with the vocals that were pre-recorded so it was just silly but you know uh even that was really exciting so at some point you can turn it into um like i said more of an excitement thing yeah i just like, want it to be like a hobby yeah you could even get into doing open mics and stuff too if you ever just like i don't know fucking want to read some poetry i mean that's another good way to get rid of that fear um yeah. just i'm not really a big poetry person like or i try read writing something my own you songs wrote. and yeah. they're trash i they're mean so that's, what trash. You, that's what you think i mean everybody thinks their creation sucks like there's i got thousands of hours of shit in this that i think are fucking garbage but someone else might like you know and but i've been like trying to learn the ukulele again i like have been learning the harmonica and plays in like Maisie star and yeah so there you go (laughs) just be a little folk singer and just sing about your woes and your o's and your goes and your toes and maybe some rows but um yeah (laughs) you should definitely like i always i'm always gonna encourage you know getting more into music and performing and stuff like that because i think it just makes us overall more humble unless you're the type that like gets addicted to that kind of shit and like lets it inflate their ego because, like, I definitely did that in my earlier 20s. Like, I thought it was a lot more important than when I was. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's the only time I would say probably back up a little bit. And that's when I started to back up and just kind of check myself. Because I'm like, all right, the way I'm acting <laughs> versus what's being put out are two very different things. And... I need to step the fuck away from it. And not only that, but, like, at the time, I had a thousand things going on. You you know roughly the story. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, and it's not like I had the time anyways, but, um, you know. But now, like, fuck, I'm almost 30. I'm, like, I'm, I'm ready to get back into it. It's just a matter of finding other like-minded folk uh, that would be into doing it, but... The other part of it is now is that, yeah, I am almost 30 and the people that we'd be playing for have no fucking idea who I am and just won't have any relation or anything like that. So I don't know. Maybe that's just me talking myself out of it. (laughs) But yeah, get into more creating and stuff like they have like chart courts and wow. Chord charts, chard chords. <laughs> they have chord charts that they have on like laminated paper and stuff um, that you can get like at music supply stores to help you out with uke. Because um, really, like I think this uh, chord shapes don't change too much um, once you have one. You know, like you can move it up and down the neck. Mm-hmm. And then just substitute where your fingers would be um, in relation to whatever the original position is that you learned. It's kind of the same as guitar. You know, like, you know, one barred chord, you pretty much know them all. You know, one open chord, you can kind of figure out the rest from there. Um, you know, and then it's good for your brain, too, uh, playing music, writing music, composing music, whatever. Um especially when you finish a song 
that's another thing like if you ever get into that mm-hmm. finish what you start because <laughs> it's really easy to start a project and never finish it there's a song I've been working on for almost a year now this is the longest I've ever worked on this single idea uh, and that, you know I released a uh, like a little EP earlier last year or this year I think yeah earlier this year and um, it was kind of rushed so I was like alright I'm going to stop doing that with the, my own music and like really take my time with it but I've keep running into writing walls where you know I get like the rhythms and like the basic song structure down and then I try to go add something else into it later and then it just sounds like shit to me after 15 more listens or whatever then I just scrap the entire or the entire idea and then start over and I've done that thousands of times at this point for this long it feels like it's just and I have a concept for it it's called uh, Foil Do which is madness for two which is a thing that has been seen in like the criminal world and stuff where like two people like the sometimes they're um twins or like their friends or their lovers just anybody with a real deep connection um one of them goes absolutely fucking mad the other one also matches that madness yeah and goes on killing sprees or like crazy fucking streaking just absolute fucking chaotic behavior unpredictable uh, highly delusional behavior and like I've been writing it for Haley (laughs) and like I was just like what what about the concept for a love song but death metal (laughs) and like I think that's the other reason why is because it is such a big concept and it's for my wife (laughs) So, like, I've been trying to, you know, take my time with it, but, like... Uh, year. Yeah. It's... I... Long story short, finish your ideas. Because you'll feel so much better once you do, and it allows you to move on and take what you learn to the next project. Unfortunately, I think I'm at a point with my learning (laughs) where I've just hit a fucking wall, and anything that I try to do to incorporate something else or spice it up just doesn't cut it for me and it's just like uh, I, I need to figure out what my obstacles are now I need to really sit down with it for longer than what I have recently and finish it because my idea was to have it done by February oh. so it's like almost July yeah <laughs> like that's another thing too and that's the that's the easy thing about writing music for yourself and like five other people is that I don't have any deadlines you know so but if you give yourself a deadline make sure you stick to it because I I sure as fuck don't well I'm getting a piano back and I have to reteach myself how to play that but that I feel like it's going to be my main instrument and I have been really getting into like harmonizing Mm -hmm. with myself and like that kind of like sound mixed with like folky sound and I can record you. I have all the shit. And I'd be that'd be fun to record that kind of music. I I have never done that, so 
if you ever just like want to cover a thing or something with yeah, ukulele and piano and vocals i'm not very good at it i'm not like ukulele. not yet i'm like i've been learning ukulele for a few months and i'm still really bad i mean yeah you're not gonna be like able to do much for like a few years i know that there's nothing wrong with that but um piano was a instrument that i knew in high school and i haven't picked it up since I mean, I feel like that's a little bit more straightforward because it's just a series of 12 notes repeating over eight times. Yeah. You know, so you get C sharp. I was listening to this cover of Creep today, and it gave me, like, a good idea of, like, how I could change it up and cover it and, like, yeah. Make it your own. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of covers... We just got our cover art for our new cover album that's coming out at some point. I'll show it to you real quick. It's called Under the Influences. Uh, I like that. It reminds me a lot of um, Junkie Hito, but like death metal. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, But like his art style where everything's like really black and really like fine lines and a lot of lines. Yeah, this is this is like a pretty common art style in metal, um, but we're definitely gonna put that shit on the shirt. At least the the main guy in the middle there, like, kind of focus him out and just put that put that on the shirt. Um, but yeah, I'm stoked because I that's finally I, this I is another thing. Style. Yeah, I, I knew who you were talking about. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that's another thing. Like, we were talking about finishing something. Like, John and I started this probably about a year ago. <laughs> and, you know, we never really had a set time that we wanted to finish everything. And, like, everything is already done, like, musically. Because it's all covers anyways, yeah. you know. Um, musically, the shit was done well before I got to it. And then I did my scratch tracks and then I went back and did some more. And then we did some layering and all sorts of other just wizardry. Um, and then John had to redo the solos, which he, I don't know if he's even done that yet. Um, but once those are done, then we're done. This album is done. And I can only imagine what we would function like if we had a rigorous schedule to follow. Like, and that's the thing too. Like, I've always held this belief that art and stuff should never really be monetized because all it does is it kind of dis- discourages innovation because if it's monetized there's almost always someone behind it telling you when to release something you know what galleries to go mm-hmm. to um, when to have something ready by and I don't, I don't think that you can always like do art like that I don't think that it can be something that is propagated by a company or a label or something because like I said like then you end up with people that have these like they they tour for a year and now they have a year to write and now they're probably just shitting out ideas just for the sake of getting it done instead of for the sake of the piece or for the sake of the song or whatever and <clears throat> you know 
that's the benefit to you know taking your time and not having to worry about other people's deadlines and stuff but it also can shoot you in the foot because <laughs> then you'll just never do anything <laughs> and like uh, so there, there, there has to be kind of a mix I think um, and I think that now that we're in a world where pretty much anybody can create just about anything you know, uh, it gives you the opportunity to um, not have to worry about so much of the ins and outs because you can do it all yourself. You know, you don't have to wor- rely on somebody else to distribute, market, and do all that shit for you. You can just buy Google AdSense. You can go to a third-party shirt maker. You can book all your own shit. Just emailing people like you don't need all the all the glitz like and glam. Like the producers and stuff like, like that. I mean, some I would say a lot of bands would benefit from producers and engineers because not everybody knows how to use that stuff, and it is a well, learning curve. I was thinking but, like, um. Like, like tour some, managers and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like somebody that's in charge of you. Yeah, and some bands do need that. Uh, <laughs> there is, you know, they're like a, especially younger bands. Um, they kind of need somebody to steer the ship, but um, I would say most bands don't, though. Most artists, most musicians, most whatever, most creative types should really just try to do it on their own. Um, Especially if they're already in a position where they can, you know, uh, let's say that they got set up nicely because of a record year that they already had or are in the middle of, they should challenge themselves now that they have all the connections and stuff to just do it on their own, you know, or even beforehand, uh, you know, make those grassroots connections either in your area or wherever and, uh, do it entirely on your own too and build it from the ground up because I'm sure that's a lot more satisfying uh, I remember when you know John and I first started doing Moist uh, just getting that first 2000 likes was like super cool you yeah. know and like we don't get a ton of attraction or anything like that anymore because like neither of us really give a fuck about the social media parts of it it's more so about creating and Whoever's listening is listening, but, um... I think, like, if I ever got to the point where I could release music, I already know that I wouldn't put it underneath my name. I have, like, a name picked out. Yeah. That's a good move. Um... It's not, like, my... It's not, like, a name of a person. It's, like, a band name. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, that's not a bad move. Um... I mean, you'd still be attached to it, especially if you're singing for it. Then, well, yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that, like that's the not thing the you point. can't escape. It's like, I just love, like, Four Non Blondes and Blondie and, like, no doubt, like, that aspect of, like, it being a girl-fronted band, but it's, like, a band, even if it's just one person or, like, two people, just, yeah. like, it not being Miley Cyrus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that sells better, too, because the only reason why anybody knows who she was is because of nepotism. Yeah. So, unless you have nepotism on your favor, <laughs> which neither of us do, you know, 
Um, uh. But uh, yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. Like it's. I think it's more interesting overall too and uh I mean if you go solo I mean you could but even then like for me when I work on solo projects it doesn't live under my name mm-hmm. you know it lives under something else and uh just yeah just cause I think the whole idea of releasing it under my name is also just weird <laughs> like I feel like plastering David Suyoka on a shirt <laughs> would look stupid as opposed to like I don't know a cool band name you know what I mean yeah um putting that on on a on a album cover like oh no I don't I don't have a sexy name at all you know it's just real wordy and uh Miley Cyrus is a little bit more of a sexier name I guess well that's kind of still her stage name because I think her real name is like Destiny oh really yeah oh huh so they would just like call her Smiley Miley when they when she was younger and now she goes by Miley huh I did not know that that could be like totally a lie and it's just like something I heard but like that's something I remember is that something on your shirt? Yeah, there's paint on my shirt. Oh, on the... Um, there's a hole oh. and some red and... I thought it was like a little beetle. I kept looking at it to see if it was moving, but no. it's just a hole. I've just had this shirt for like four years and now it has a hole in it, but like, it was appropriate for the day. Yeah, good. It fits the subject today. Yeah. But, yeah. That's all I got. You got anything else? Um, not really. We fucking went, what? Like an hour and a half? Almost three hours. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, listening. Hopefully, you know, all of the episodes will be up. Uh, if not, then, yeah. Hold your fucking horses, because I'm in no hurry. So. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. I still promote it. <laughs>